going to be like fastest news ever, I think, because fuck all happened this week. Yeah, it's fucking, <laughs> it was, which is it's good because I mean, like, music episodes, we know how these go. Yeah, you know what I mean? We so, talk. Like, yeah, we talk a lot. <laughs> so it's good that there's very little news, but like, we'll just get right into it then. So welcome back, everybody, to Dance Robot Dance. Somebody's slurping in my ears. I'm going to. Sorry, kill them. There <laughs> it is. We're doing a lot of Christy references in the chat today, and I apologize, Christy, if you listen to this. But Tim is now pulling another Christy and eating at the beginning of the fucking podcast. Yep, which is something we haven't had on the show in a while. So nope. it's kind of like I'm having nostalgia moments. I, I tried to finish before we started, but it did not happen. Are you having like soup or something before? Yeah. Like <laughs> literally the noisiest fucking possible thing. Literal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, shit. We, I, I'm a, uh, Christy's ears must be fucking burning. Yep, yep. Oh. You're welcome, listeners. It's ASMR right there. You're welcome. Yeah. Somebody just got a real like awkward boner right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, this is the Christiest opening of a podcast since Christy left the podcast. Probably, <laughs> yeah. yeah everybody. I want everybody to know. So I'm Mark, and I'll be hosting these group of DJs through this fucking episode today. So <laughs> from South Korea, say hello to my brother Paul. Hello. And then from Atlanta, Tim's here. <laughs> yep, just slurping. <laughs> oh, that's hey, that's Tim's weekends. You're you know, fired, Hi, everyone. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I like Paul. Paul's now like, no, you know what? I'm calling the shots on this fucking podcast now that I've been yeah. on. Episodes. Yeah. You're fucking done. It's You're over. Done. <laughs> yeah. I rule the roost now. Yeah, Paul's in charge now. All right, cool, fine. Do you want to edit too? Like, do you do you want to do the edits? No, yeah. I don't want to do any of the not fun stuff. Come oh, on. fair. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> I just want to yell about geeky things like, oh, i just want to okay. yell can right. i just yell I, yeah hey man that's <laughs> what we're here for is just fucking yell <laughs> just yell all right let's get into the lack of news because there's like six things to t- not even six things there's like three things to talk about and they're all the barest like thinnest yeah, fucking morsels really of bullshit so <laughs> it's it's cool so we got some batman casting news which at this point means this movie feels excessively overstuffed to me already but yeah. who knows what they're actually doing with it it sounds like they've cast a penguin and it's fucked up because it's bullseye. Yeah, yeah. It, Colin Farrell's in talks to play the penguin in the but Batman not the good movie. bullseye. Yeah, the not shitty the, yeah, bullseye. Fuck. The <laughs> fucking bullseye. scar in his forehead. And, I'm just at the end of the day, it's kind of funny that no matter what they do with these Batman movies now, it seems like somebody from that Daredevil fucking movie has to be in this, like in this movie, in these movies now, right? Mm-hmm. So like we had Ben Affleck in as the Batman before. And now we're doing the Batman, and Ben Affleck has fucked off, and we've got Robert Pattinson. Sorry, I totally forgot who's playing Batman. And now it's like, well, we have to have a Daredevil cast member. So who's left? Because Michael Clark Duncan has passed, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer, Jennifer Garner. Garner. Jennifer Garner actually does real movies. So <laughs> Affleck's gone. So who's left? Uh, who played Foggy in that movie? Ah, fuck that. Just get Colin Farrell. It's fine. We'll just get Colin Farrell. You know, so that's yeah. basically where we're at with this movie now. And which then fucking like, Andy Circus as Alfred. Yeah, which like I thought it was Pierce Brosnan. So I guess also Andy Circus just fucking dancing across the goddamn street there too, right? Like he was just claw in black. Yeah, he's all over the and place. And now he's over here doing DC <laughs> stuff. And like he's always working with Pete Jackson. And he's directing stuff on his own now too. Venom 2. He's directing Venom yeah. 2, right? Yeah, so he's going to be doing Venom 2. <sighs> well, I mean, he'd... Yeah, he'd been doing. He'd done like uh, second unit stuff for years. Like he did second planet, unit on all, all the, the and all the Planet of the Apes movies too. Like he was, I think he was yeah. directing like the acting on the Planet of the Apes movies because of the like it was the, all that mocap. So he was helping 
yeah, yeah, had yeah. a special yeah. role in like helping the everybody else mocap effectively since he's Andy Circus and that's like 95% of what he used to do. Now he's on camera all the time. It's weird seeing Andy Circus actually he's like, oh shit. It's Andy Circus, like actually yeah. Andy Circus. He has a face. Yeah, he has a face. Like he does things. That's his own. Yeah. <laughs> He is going to get his Oscar one way or another. And I don't think he's like, going to be in the Batman with 48 fucking characters. They got to pay st- attention stepping to stones, Stepping oh, stones. Stepping stones. No, no, no. He's going he's gonna to get it for directing Venom 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, oh, I can't Can you wait. imagine? Best director, Andy Serkis for <laughs> Venom, Venom 2. 2. The sequel to the fucking craziest, like, stupidest fucking... And you thought the Ugh. fucking world was on fire right now. That would cause just, like, at that point, yeah. reality just breaks. Like, everything yeah. just falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> the academy went insane so like the whole world went crazy they, they just have to set venom 2 in la and venom 2 is a venom is a struggling actor oh, and yeah. it has to be about loving hollywood and it's like fucking oscar gold go for it andy you can do it i believe in you right. I, I, hey man i think andy circus probably deserves an oscar at this point because he's doing crazy stuff and like he's actually had quite influential when it comes to like moving that mocap technology forward like he's the guy yeah. who's like let's build if anything suits. else let's yeah, do if anything stuff. else i think yeah. he like he deserves like a he'll eventually deserve like a lifetime achievement award or something yeah, for that absolutely. kind of thing maybe in another like 10 or 15 years or something yeah it's, it's, it's i don't think we know how much he's revolutionized the way acting works in major movies now you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? just because like we don't really know how all that stuff works like on a day-to-day basis because they're still making it up as they go along mm-hmm. so in like 10 years we're going to be like yeah everything we do is because of fucking andy circus yeah. doing that golem bit and then like everything he did after yeah so he got an Oscar for the two towers. God damn it! Yeah. Probably yeah. best supporting, best supporting. Probably yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But so more casting news. It sounds like all the Ghostbusters that are still with us will be in the 2020. Bill Murray has confirmed that he'll be in Jason Reitman's sequel for 2020. Yep. We miss you, Mr. Ramis, and suspect the script will also probably. Yeah. But hey, man, fingers are fucking crossed. So. And I got to. And it's cool. That I got to walk. Oh, Marie's actually going to be in there. Yeah, yeah. You got to talk about this. This yeah. is cool as shit. I got to, I got to like walk through Ghostbusters this past weekend. So uh, on my trip, the reason I wasn't on last week's episode was because I was uh, in Orlando for a reason I'll talk about later. Uh, but one of the things we did while we were down there was Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights, and they had a Ghostbusters house. And holy shit, it felt like you were legit like walking through the movie. Like, go look up videos on YouTube. I'm sure there's plenty of people that have put up like walkthroughs yeah. and stuff. But like, you walk through like all the iconic scenes like the library the sedgwick hotel uh you walk through the the firehouse lobby with janine like screaming into the phone and people and like they you see uh you see zool and fucking gozer and yeah and they they pipe in fucking marshmallow smell when you encounter the marshmallow man and that's amazing. So good. Oh, so good. I'm so jealous. Yeah. I'm so fucking jealous right now. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's super cool. I'm su- I'm like I'm excited for this movie. I'm, I'm waiting for this one. So we'll have to see how it goes. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited. Bill Murray's decided to you know throw his fucking hat in the ring and like yeah. I'll just. I'm interested to see how big of a role he'll have, whether he'll it'll be kind of more just like a zombie land kind of cameo or whether he'll be like full blown into it. I I suspect it'll probably be closer to a cameo than it is to like a featuring starring role. Yeah, agreed. I'm still surprised he did, like I'm sure he only came back because the writers yeah. were involved because after what happened in that last one I bet she wasn't <laughs> super happy with like how he was like dealt mm-hmm. with in that one although I guess he might have even asked for that that could have been him because he's so mm-hmm. fucking weird these days that he could have been like I don't want to do this but if I'm going to do it I want he this apparently role. applied for a job 
uh, Bill Murray did at the Moe's in the Atlanta airport. Moe's is like a Tex-Mex like counter service chain for those of our yeah. listeners that might not be familiar with it. So he apparently fucking applied for a job at there at one of them because Bill Murray is fucking bored. Like he just wants to go hang out at the airport. <laughs> I was oh, just I'm fucking sure, with Jesus. him. I'm sure I'd have hired him. I'd have just been like fucking on the spot. Yeah. It's yours. They you fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that they did, just and then he probably didn't, <laughs> didn't show up. <laughs> Sounds like a Bill Murray thing to do. <laughs> yeah, fucking slacker. Right? That's awesome, though. <laughs> you know how do you deal with that as a hiring manager? Like you get a resume, and it's like fucking Bill Murray. You're like, <laughs> wait, D Bill Murray? And you're looking. It's like, oh yeah, he was in Ghostbusters. Like it's on his resume, so it's like actually the Bill Murray. Okay. So do you call him and be like, hey, uh, we totally have a position. Whatever position you want, open for you. You want to. <laughs> Come hang out. I'll pay you to hang out because you're built fucking Murray. Missionary, yeah. doggy, whatever. How we're, you, there, we're there for How it. do you want us to hang out? You know I mean? Yeah, exactly. Missionary, doggy, whatever you want. Like, Bill Murray, you do what you want. Either way. Cool. But yeah, Ghostbusters is happening. So that's cool. There was one little thing about She-Hulk and Moon Knight have picked their showrunners. So yeah. the Hollywood Reporter broke the news today that Jessica Gao, who won an Emmy for the Pickle Rick episode of Rick and Morty, has been hired to write mm-hmm. She-Hulk. And Jeremy Slater, who worked on The Exorcist and Umbrella Academy, will do the same thing on Moon Knight. So it sounds like Gao has been chasing She-Hulk for a fucking long time. So this is like a chewing come chew for her. And I can't think, like, based on that pedigree, I'll take these guys in the Marvel Universe. They're like, doing comedy She-Hulk. Yeah. I am so excited. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, they, they hired a Rick and Morty person. They're <laughs> absolutely doing comedy She-Hulk. This is fucking genius. This is going to be great. Yeah. And then they hired the guy who's doing Exorcist and Umbrella Academy to do Moon Knight. Sounds like they're just doing Daredevil Part 2 on that show yeah. with a crazy yeah. person, which should be great because uh, his name Mark. Oh, shit. I can never remember the Moon Knight's name. Moon Knight's name. Uh, it's I can't Mark, so Mark Spector, I think, is his name. Yeah, that character is fucking Bad house crazy, you know. Yeah, crazy, yeah. Shit house rat crazy. (laughs) Yeah. The only reservation I have about Jeremy Slater's resume is his Netflix Death Note series, which was fucking atrociously bad. Like that was. Oh, but was anybody going to be able to make that good? Though? Yeah, that was never going to happen, right? Oh. And on the flip side, he managed to make a, a season of an Exorcist sequel that I didn't fucking loathe. Like it was actually yeah. a really good season of TV. So I'm like, yeah. he can do the dark side of shit. So I think I'm 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 comfortable with him. It's not like they got um like what's his name? Was it Scott Buck or whatever his name was to come back from fucking Iron Fist or whatever? Oh we yeah, oh yeah. We got some. <laughs> we got good people for these shows. So well, yeah. Um, I'm like I funny. can't believe that we're only fucking like two days away as we're. Recording this from Disney Plus. That's my next note. Was like just a yeah. note. Disney Plus launches this week with the Mandalorian on the service, November eleventh. So like, yeah, and you I, get, I already, I'm already subscribed. Subscribe. Yeah, I'll yeah. probably, I'll probably take a look at it this week too and see how it's going to work up here. But uh, they announced that Endgame is going to be available at launch, which they thought was going to be like a month later, but they somehow fucking finagled it to get both of yeah. the. You get all four yeah. Avengers movies. I think that's the only yeah. stuff you actually get because everything else is locked out, like on Netflix. Netflix still. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Disney Plus launches this week, so like wars fucking starting like this is streaming yeah. wars now so yeah and i think i'm pretty sure in canada it works basically everything is dropping on or like it's working the same as it is in the u.s it's just like a couple dollars more i think it's like nine bucks a month instead of seven wow, or something exchange just for shit, the exchange yeah. rate yeah yeah but it's That's not cool. like it's not like a lot of the streaming services where you're gonna have to go find this shit on like 18 different platforms and yeah in, in canada yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. Like we end up with all this shit on Crave. Crave like, all the HBO and, yeah. stuff happens to on Crave, and then yeah. we still have Amazon Prime. But all that stuff's like you end up kind of having to pay for parts of it, mm-hmm. and you don't have to in the states, and it sucks. So, although 4K streaming now, like I have to watch the boys in 4K HDR, which was kind of cool. And like Netflix doesn't offer 4K; they offer HDR, but no 4K. Mm-hmm. So Disney Plus launched in 4K. 
right out of the fucking gate. So yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, 4K with HDR support and like Dolby Atmos that too. Like they got the high end stuff. Yeah. So I'm on the Disney Plus Korean page right now and they have an email to like update you when it launches in your country. So, uh, you know, you know, by the time it launches in your country, you'll be home to use our account, like the family yeah, account. I know. I'm just saying, yeah. like, that sucks. The uh, I know that it like Disney's super big in Korea too. Like you think in Korea and Japan, they are both fucking huge. Like, uh, yeah, just from like the last twenty or thirty years or so, it's just like, oh man, Disney like Frozen Fever two is going to be coming soon. Yeah. I mean, like the 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 girls movie come out uh, this month yeah. in a couple of weeks. Yeah, this month. yeah. okay. Yeah, so I can't wait for that to happen. <laughs> I was gonna say, I thought you, I thought you might get to avoid it if it was like in the spring or something like that, but it makes no sense to put Frozen out in the spring. You put it out in the fucking winter, right? It's a Christmas movie, so yeah, yeah totally. It's makes Christmas sense. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, we're gonna have uh, like kids dressed up as Elsa all day, yeah. every single day. It's gonna be a nightmare of Frozen bullshit for you all day, every day. So that's cool. Cool. Yeah, that was it for me for the news this week. <laughs> the only thing, other thing that I'll note that happened uh, is that. Uh, Hideo Kojima's new game Death Stranding came up for PlayStation this week, which is a big deal because a Hideo Kojima game came out on time, which fucking baffles me. So Hideo Kojima, for those who don't know, is the creator of the Metal Gear Solid series on PlayStation and stuff. So, I mean, you can get it anywhere now if it's on Xbox, but originally all those games were PlayStation exclusives. And uh, he's now like locked in as a first or second party developer for Sony and Death Stranding is exclusive to that platform. But it looks fucking weird. I haven't played it yet, but it came out and it's been like the big news for this week in the video gaming sphere. So yeah, until Pokemon comes out on Friday. Yeah. I was gonna say Pokemon comes out this week, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah, it's busy. Mm-hmm. It's that time of year though, right? Like Call of Duty came out a couple weeks ago, which means we are now in the season. So like once Call of Duty fires the shot, pun intended, I guess that's the beginning of the <laughs> fall video game insanity season. So mm-hmm. we're already starting like Black Friday deals starting to launch and stuff for this year. So. Yeah, control is down to twenty five bucks already, boys. Go pick that control up because it looks like it's fucking cool. I'm gonna get into that. Yeah. All right, let's uh, move on to geek of the week. That was a fat. Hope no, I have I news. Have news oh, come on, Tim. I thought we had like no news. Let's move fast. Well, there's one news that we got to mention. Friend of the podcast oh, and yeah. former guest of the podcast, uh, Stephen Grade was on the Jeopardy Tournament of Champions quarterfinals this past week, and uh, while he did not win his episode, he snagged the top of the four wildcard spots to make it through to the semifinals. So he will be going back. Well, he. It's already all filmed, but he'll be back on an episode either next Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. I don't know when yet for the semifinals. And then the finals are Thursday and Friday of next week. So congratulations, Stephen, on progressing to the semifinals. That's awesome. You'll have to post a reminder when that happens, both to our chat and to the Dance Robot Dance page so that I remember to go watch. Yeah. At least yeah. I missed last week's stuff because I insanity. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know when they're going to announce who's going to be airing what night kind of thing. So Oh, okay. Presumably he knows what night he's going to be on, but it's not announced yet, so we can't tell anybody. Fair. Okay. So, well, you know, when you guys find out, I want to know. I just want to. I'd like to watch at least one. Yeah. Of his things since I keep seem to like you tell me, and then I'm like, oh yeah, I should watch that, and then I. I've also I've got the file of his uh, quarterfinal win from or whatever his his episode yeah, from from uh, last night, which as we're recording oh, okay. this is is uh, Friday night, the November eighth. The other stuff was that they confirmed that they're making a third Fantastic Beast movie, even though nobody, nobody wants cares, it. Nobody really wants yeah. any more of them at this point. It seems. Uh, I mean, it'll still make 
you know, bank hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, but yeah, that just seems to be shitting on. I don't know. Well, I'm starting to wonder if that might be the diminishing returns because the, the most recent one didn't perform the way the other ones oh, yeah? have, right? Right. Like, it, it's it, been it a steady decline. Yeah, it didn't have the yeah. legs either. Like usually these movies are like Pixar. You kind of like they last for a while, like a couple. For, weeks. Yeah, they're in the theaters for like months and months. Yeah. And like this one apparently like dropped fucking like. Batman v Superman second week, like kind of drop, like mm. just precipitous drop the second week. I don't have confirmation. I just kind of like that was the Reddit clean I got from this week. I don't pay attention to the fucking yeah. Harry Potter shit, especially the ancillary Harry Potter stuff. Like Fantastic Beasts matters <laughs> even less to me than real Harry Potter stuff, like Harry yeah. Potter, Harry Potter stuff. So. Yeah. And then the, the biggest sort of genre release this week was Dr. Sleep, the uh, Shining sequel That's uh, true, came yeah. out this week. And I've been seeing pretty good reviews for that. And so I'm going to see that uh, tomorrow with, with Steven and his wife, actually, with Steven and Kristen. Okay. Oh, cool yeah i was gonna go see it this week too for sure if i can get a chance to get out to the theater and see it yeah. um like i'm excited for it i just kind of wish it had come out before halloween because now i'm not like yeah. i was in the mood for it then and now i'm like oh it's it's past now guys you fucked up you should have released this two weeks earlier or a week earlier or whatever yeah yeah I have cool. one more piece of news. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but it's about James Bond. Uh, James Bond. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Craig hired one of my current favorite writers, Phoebe Waller-Bridge of Fleabag and oh, Killing yeah. Eve fame uh, to punch up the latest Bond script. And some uh, reporters were trying to be like, is she a diversity hire? And Daniel Craig very uh, effectively shut him down saying like, no, she's a fucking amazing writer. And that's why I asked her to come on to the yeah. the movie um i'm so, gonna miss like as much as like he kind of hates being james bond i'm gonna fucking miss him being james bond because yeah. he's just like he comes out sometimes and just like well you guys are fucking idiots yeah. Like, yeah it's just a fucking james bond movie like shut up yeah seriously um like, so i'm we're making good james bond movies for the first time since like sean connery yeah. left or whatever or yeah you know because they were they get like I'll one defend golden eye to the death i will <laughs> yeah that's what i mean you get like the one good one from each bond basically and then like you get maybe you get a lucky second one sometimes but like Craig. Moore sucked and then uh, brosnan sucked like after golden eye yeah. and then now we finally got craig and it's like well he did like got like honestly he's done three solid four of them yeah and he's got three yeah. solid he's got two really good yeah. ones too like with Jack skyfall Long. and casino yeah. royale he's got two rock and roll ones and he's got two decent ones because i don't hate quantum of solace i don't hate it it's so not either good, way yeah if you watch it right after casino yeah, yeah. royale it works as one big movie though which is great so either way like i'm all on board yeah I, like that the series that she wrote before was great and she's awesome and daniel craig yeah he's, my james bond. Like, yeah. he's not sean connery but like i like him a lot as james bond so yeah. if he's the last one then fucking fine you know cool makes me super excited for no time to die which i'm like oh yeah yeah i was already excited because it's a bond movie and uh they sounded like they were trying to do something intense for this one because it's kind of his last yeah. one so yeah and like go watch fleabag if you haven't seen fleabag yet because it's fucking yeah. hilarious it's so fucking yeah, funny it's, fucking really, it's really good um i gotta watch more of it i've only seen a couple episodes gotta get back to it all right all right now. boys uh there's two of you we can do you guys can do a geek of the week stick yeah so like Start yelling at me, I guess. It's time for Geek of the Week! Geek of the Week! So this is the segment where we tell each other the geekiest thing that happened to us this week. We're going to start with Tim because he's been away and I'm assuming he's got a story to tell us. <laughs> yeah, so my geek of the week this week was, as I mentioned on the podcast, Alicia and I went down to Orlando to do a couple of the runs for the Disney Wine and Dine Half Marathon weekend. So Alicia did the Half Marathon on Sunday. I did the 10K on Saturday morning and fuck it was rough because i was at halloween horror nights at universal the night before and that went to like two in the morning and i had to be on a bus 
to the starting line for the run at like 4 a.m. So like I got back to the hotel, got like 20 minutes of fucking sleep and then like had to roll out of bed and then go fucking run a 10K. <laughs> so that was... You got yourself a little power nap, you know? <sighs> yeah, so I was, I was running like solely on like adrenaline and like an, an energy drink that I pounded as soon as I woke up because I knew it was the only way that I was going to stay awake and... But uh, it was fun. The route took us like from the Magic Kingdom parking lot, like down sort of across property, run around the World Showcase at Epcot Center, uh, because that's where like the Food and Wine Festival it is. And this is like the run that's sort of themed to that. And like along the course, they had like Disney characters that you could like stop and get your picture taken with, including a lot of like really rare characters you don't see in the parks very often, like Bowler Hat Guy from Meet the Robinsons and like the Robin Hood from the Robin Hood movie and and they also had this group of performers from an extinct Disney nightclub called the Adventures Club that was like all like improv based, like old turn of the century explorers kind of thing that I went to a couple of times while I w- uh, worked down there like 15 years ago. And then they shut it down. And But these performers still come out because they've got like this cult following. And so I got to see a performance of them at the post-race party in Epcot on Sunday night and Overall, it was just a lot of fun, and and I definitely would go back and do another one of those Disney runs in the future. It was a lot of fun. Nice. A lot of people dress up and do costumes and stuff in it, and they you know do a lot to like keep you engaged and keep you motivated and everything and cheer you on. And yeah, cool. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, I'm glad you guys had fun because doing that all that marathon. Look, Alicia got sick and stuff too, right? So yeah, yeah. Alicia got a little sick after her marathon. I think uh, it took a bit more of a toll on her body than uh, she was expecting it to. Uh, and the long run she so. did so. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm well, glad congratulations to both of you guys. Both kind of did it, so congratulations yeah. to both of you for Thank fucking you. rocking it. Paul, what's your geek of the week? My geek of the week was there's a new FK Twigs album, and I was obsessed with it for like the entire week. It's fucking amazing. It's called Magdalene, and I've talked about FK Twigs before on like my top albums list and stuff like that. So go listen to Magdalene. It's fucking amazing front to back, um, with the exception of the one song that has. A rap feature on it by Future, which is not a great feature, <laughs> but overall, stunning album. I was like, the morning I woke up at my usual four thirty in the morning to go to the gym. You're out of your fucking uh, minds, you know. I only did that because I had to. <laughs> I go to bed at four thirty now, so like, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> well, as I was waking up, it hadn't launched on. Apple Music yet because that's what I subscribe to here in Korea and so like it had the the few tracks that she had released previously but then it started playing through the album even though it wasn't <laughs> populating it, properly the, all the songs were grayed yeah. out yeah and so I was able to play it through my notification center but not through mm, the, like the main app itself yeah. so basically I had to like make sure that I just kept playing it over and over again until it, it officially launched and it just like yeah, yeah. Which is what all I wanted that morning. Anyone once it launched, I was like, once I listened to it the first time, I was like, I need to listen to this again. And so I did about four or five times until I went to work that morning. So yeah, funny that you guys would have made fun of me for saying exactly the same thing when Fear Inoculum came out. But I did the same thing basically when Fear Inoculum actually came out. Because you did too. I'm pretty sure you put it on for a day. I remember (laughs) you telling me that. I did. I had to sit with it. You know, I just and I had to sit with Twigs too. Like she had released multiple singles prior to yeah like four songs before the album came out and there was 
not there's only nine songs on the album but the other five that i hadn't heard yet were also amazing it wasn't like she was front loading her singles or anything so it was yeah this whole weekend i've just been listening to that pretty much i keep trying to listen to other things and then i'm like but i could be listening to magdalene so good (laughs) so good my geek red's actually an album that came out this week and is the reason why like i saw you posting about fk twigs and i was like i should probably go listen to that because i know he's gonna talk to me about it at some point and i'm gonna be like (laughs) rolling my eyes back because i don't haven't listened to it but like Josh Hobby put a record out that I was going to talk about in Geek Cred, so we'll we'll get there we'll later. Back. Yes, for yeah, sure. We'll circle back. So my Geek of the Week, I have a question. Do you remember last week? Did I talk about Jim Shooter last week, or did I want to save that for Tim? I listened I to the episode, remember. but I don't, I don't think you did. So I'm no. Okay, so I've been doing cons. I've done two now. I did a second one today, and it went much better than it did last week. Last Good. week was horrific. The one upside to last week's con, like the one in Markham that I did, was that I went to the bathroom at one point. And as I was like washing my hands, I look over and who's standing next to me, but Jim fucking shooter, who was the guest at the con that I was at. And I was like, of course. And I said right to him, like, of course I get to meet Jim shooter again. Cause I've met Jim a couple of times. Like he's looked at my work and stuff in the past, distant past. And he just kind of laughed at me because he was like, yeah, it happens a lot. These kinds of things where you just kind of, you turn over and you're like, Oh, here's legendary Marvel editor in chief, yeah. Jim shooter. He's washing his hands after <laughs> taking a piss. Hey man, how's it, like I don't want to. I can't shake your hand right now. It's yeah. like my hands are wet, right? Like I'm not. So you're just like, hey. I mean, I've talked to you before, but whew, you know, you you were a big fucking influence on me and a lot of people. So you know, he was Jim fucking shooter. So he was there for basically Marvel's my growing up reading Marvel books. He was the editor in chief, like for like yeah, a big like chunk of the 90s. It, so. Yeah, it is nineties. So Jim Shooter, you know, was responsible for a lot of fucking stories that I. Yeah, grew up on basically. So that was that thing. The other thing was that I wanted to talk about because I have a rant. The fucking Adobe forum on Reddit. So like Adobe launched their new 2020 part of like Creative Cloud. So like new Photoshop's and Illustrators are launching. Mm-hmm. They changed the icon on Photoshop to have rounded corners this week. The entire internet's freaking out. Not because <laughs> Photoshop barely works properly and is now sitting in like 16 gigs Ooh. of RAM just when you launch it and it's running like shit. Everybody's pissed off because the icons got rounded corners. And I'm like, you guys, yeah. priorities are fucked. You're the worst group of graphic designers I've ever met in my life. If your priority <laughs> is that your fucking OCDs being triggered by the new rounded corners and you're not pissed off that you can't fucking work in Photoshop because this update's so bad. Yeah, unless you've got like a fucking Power Mac or some shit. And I've got I've got like fucking 64 gigs of RAM in my machine and it's chugging like crazy <laughs> just doing single Jesus. single one illustrate like one illustrate. I had rolled back to 2019 today just because I'm like, like no yeah, fuck. It's bloated as fuck. Yeah, it's real bad. But I was like, I can't believe the entire community, 40 fucking posts at least that I've seen on the subreddit since all this shit launched the last couple of days. And it's like one post is about, man, this really sucks. This thing's fucking broken. My workflow's screwed. Yeah. And then five other posts, man, is anybody else's OCD really tweaked by this icon? Uh... It's like, guys, <laughs> I know the fucking age group of Reddit is like 22 and they're all idiots, but like, Get the fuck out of the Adobe forum. Yeah, that's so that the pros can talk. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like let me just talk to my other pros. Anyway, <laughs> that's endemic to like Reddit culture, though. Like you go into a topic expecting something like informative at the top, Subst- and it's uh, someone trying to be funny. Somebody's yeah. always yeah. trying to fucking crack a joke, yeah. and it's always the same fucking five jokes. Like, yep. yeah. I, yeah. I just and like, the worst part is you. A lot of the time, those forums are really good, and I get a lot of out of those forums, like mm. the Wacom forum and the Adobe forum, are all power user forums where. Like guys like me go in and actually offer like we give advice, we take advice, like we like we actually do high level like talk in there because that's what it's for. Like it's for like 
high-end Adobe users or high-end Wacom users or like designers who have been around for a while. But every once in a while, you get this thing where like the kids who just happen to subscribe to Creative Cloud and get their copy of Photoshop or whatever paid for them by work or what have you, they get a new icon and freak out. And I got to listen to it for a week. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. get the fuck out of here, guys. Just get the fuck out of here. Yes. Anyway, rant over. It's now time for me to the episode. I'm assuming Paul has to pee now, right? No, I'm good, actually. I'm good. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Between number five and four. All right. So this week, I forced the guys to make a list. We didn't do our sting. Uh, We didn't do our sting, dick. (laughs) I I said me to the episode, and you guys both sat there. So (laughs) I figured you weren't doing it. Well, we didn't want to interrupt you because we're trying to be polite. (laughs) Now it's time for the meat of the episode. All-time greatest musical meats. All right, can I talk again? No, am I allowed? no, I'm good. All I'm right, done. Cool. All right, so we are just <laughs> listing our top five favorite musical entities now. I made it real broad so that nobody here got bitchy about like, are you talking about just bands yeah. or it can be solo people or DJs and shit? No, if they put out albums under that name, you are allowed to call them your favorite. I want to hear your top five. So after I tortured the boys like this this week. Now I'm going to make them list their top This actually wasn't that hard. I didn't find this as excruciating as I expected it to by any stretch. I should have asked that first. I was like, was it as bad for you guys as you were saying? Because Tim cursed my fucking name when I put this into the chat. At he first. was like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My top four was super easy to do. And then I was just like, mm-hmm. I felt like my number five was like, who am I going to slot in here kind of thing? Yeah, I was, I was fucking around with, with number five a little bit too. Yeah, but the, my top four were super, super easy. I was like, boop, 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 done. I was like, I would kind of was iffy on my who should be number one versus number two. But then it was like, no, it seemed obvious after I thought about it for like two seconds. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it was just like my number five. I don't know. It kind of made me think of like when Rob writes architect in High Fidelity. Like, do you really want to be an architect? kind of thing mm. it uh oh yeah yeah all right <laughs> yeah that was that was my would you rather be a record store owner wouldn't you rather have you know yeah another joanna newsome album in your like all five of those <laughs> yeah, well, something like that for whatever sure. whatever horror story we're about to sit through when it comes to listening to your albums oh no uh, how like, a bunch of, like, dare how dare <laughs> Yeah. Hey, I've listened to all those Joanna Newsome albums. I'm allowed to say what I want. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> My opinion is as valid as yours, uh, even if... Well, well, yeah. All right. Yeah, but for me, like, it really, yeah, it didn't end up being that hard. Like, because there is a lot of music that I love, but there's not that many artists that I can really point to and say, like, yeah, these artists or bands or whatever, like actually like shaped my life in some way kind of thing and that's kind of how i ended up like pulling these was like i went with artists that like made like significant impacts in my life whether it's like getting me through hard times or like music that i have a lot of memories associated with like people that i've bonded with over that uh, artist music that kind of thing so that's kind of how i went went about it fair enough cool so i ended up mine was really easy because i my top five basically locked in and has been for a long time i almost i went out to like 15 and i could still do it mostly like once you get into that past 10 i was like this is a little nebulous now and i don't really care because i just need the five but i could do my top 10 right now like no problem so we'll just get right into it and uh who wants to start who's super excited to start tonight i see paul is like shaking a lot are you caffeinated (laughs) yeah very caffeinated (laughs) all right paul you're you're starting all the energy so number five paul (laughs) 
Yeah. Number five uh, is Spencer Krug. He is one of the front men for Wolf Parade and also has uh, recorded under Sunset Rubdown and Moonface. I think maybe some other side projects perhaps, but these are like his three main recording entities. So Spencer Krug is like, I guess the more artsy, fartsy, less rock and rolly of the two Wolf Parade singer-songwriters. And his, his stuff after... Wolf Parade definitely veered in the more like indie singer songwriter direction than it did like indie rock. So that was much more appealing to me overall. And personal note, I have actually spoken to him. I interviewed him for my school university newspaper. And that's true. I remember you getting to do that. You were ridiculously excited. I I got that job. Yeah. Because I was a layout editor, and I remember you getting to do that. That was fun. That was an interesting week. And it was a very good interview. Like I, I thought I was gonna like eat shit on it because I was so excited to like uh yeah. to talk to him. But it was it actually he he was late. We both got to interview. Yeah. We both got to interview big like Canadian artists that we love because of that newspaper. Yeah. I got to sit down with Matt because of that newspaper too yeah. at one point. Yeah. He had just rolled out of bed. I think he was in Montreal or something and he was like getting yeah. his coffee. Like he he was late because he was uh, he must have been partying the night before or something. Some musician. Yeah. Of he course. was just late because yeah. he's a musician. He's a musician. That's musician. the reason. Yeah. That's awesome. I think like that first Wolf Parade EP and then like subsequent releases, like everything that he put out after that just made me love him a little bit more until the Moonface stuff started getting like really like weird from early Wolf Parade all the way to the end of Sunset Rubdown I I can't say I dislike any of that stuff it's just some of my favorite music and it was very formative for me in my university years because that was kind of like between this and obviously Joanna Newsom that was like the stuff I went back and forth on for like that, that yeah. was my bread and butter. So I that first fucking Wolf Parade, like the full length LP, was just God. That's a that's still one of the best records of whatever decade that came out in. I can't remember anymore. The, is the, the, two, the knots the early two thousands? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. When when I've never I've never followed him past like once he uh, once he left like, or like didn't leave, but like when he started doing his other stuff like that when he lost me. But that was yeah. Wolf Parade. That was, that was the. The, the heyday of Canadian indie music, that like CBC Radio 3 oh, era yeah. of music. The broken social scene yeah. era. Yeah. Yeah, the new pornographers era. Yeah, for sure. I know it's like we all have a different band from that group that we were like, like super Unicorns, into. Unicorns, I, I was big into around then. And yeah. yeah. Arcade Wolf, Fire. Wolf Parade yeah. was mine and Stars. Wolf Parade. Arcade, yeah. Arcade Fire, Fire was yeah. huge. Deers, yeah. yeah, the Deers. I was yeah. a big fan of the Deers. Yeah. 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 I like the Deers a lot. Too. But Wolf Parade were my guys and Spencer were, was definitely my guy of the two guys in I no nice. and no no shade to Dan Dan Beckner. He's my preferred out of the two. Yeah. So there's that yeah. obviously because he's the rock and roll guy. He he writes the more like straight ahead rock shit that I like. He he's really good at that too. So. Yeah 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 for sure. So I guess do we give a recommendation for like yeah. their stuff? Okay, so if I had to choose an album for Spencer Krug to kind of get a good sense of who he is as a songwriter, I would have to say Dragon Slayer, which is the third and final Sunset Rubdown album, as well as like the song You Go On Ahead is a absolute 100% favorite song by him on either uh, Wolf Parade or Sunset Rubdown stuff. It's just like my favorite thing. It's super romantic. It's like exciting to listen to. It's got movements. It's just, it's a great song on a great album. So yeah, Spencer Crew. Good cool. stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Tim, what's your number five? 
My number five uh, is definitely a band I've talked about a lot, or an act, I guess I've talked about a lot on the podcast before, uh, is Daft Punk. They're just, I was hooked with Daft Punk. Like I was, I was really sort of, my interest was peaked in them, like ever since seeing that first music video for Defunk on like Much Music with like that dog headed dude walking oh, around yeah. with like yeah. his broken leg and everything. Like that, I was like, okay, this is really interesting. It's a cool sound. Like, never really seen or heard anything quite like this before. And then Discovery came out in 2001, and I was fucking like hooked, captivated. Like, new style of dance music that I could like really get behind. It wasn't just, it was musically interesting and it had, it paid homage to the classics of like dance music and stuff like that as well. It wasn't just like boring, like drum based synthesizer kind of thing. And then I learned that they had a whole fucking animated movie to, uh, made to accompany that album, which is for anybody that's not aware of it, Interstellar 5555, which is pretty cool. Like anime style uh, goes along with, with the music really well. It's so good. Yeah, so kind, good. kind of artsy. Like it's, it's has a narrative, but it's kind of a loose narrative. It's more like you just watch it to sort of feel the the vibe of the songs along with the animation and everything. And and their music pulls like just awesome samples, retro sounds into it. And then later on, that I mean, they did that Human After All album, which I'm not crazy about. Uh, but then they came back with that fucking Tron Legacy soundtrack that came out and just fucking blew me away. Like as soon as I heard that they were doing that soundtrack, I was like, "Who's more perfect to do that than fucking Daft Punk?" And it ended up being like everything that I wanted it to be in a Daft Punk like score to like a fucking movie that's set inside of a computer kind of thing. And then, I mean, I've talked about at length uh, on this podcast and on Side A, Side B with Mark about my love for random access memories in 2013, where they like reinvented them uh, themselves again. Uh, they like fell back in love. I fell back in love with them at that point. And this, that's an album that I really bonded uh, with my buddy Joel, who now lives over in the Netherlands over as well. So I've got like a lot of good memories with him with that album. And then most recently uh, in 2016, they did those couple of tracks with The Weeknd. Uh, they did I Feel It Coming and Starboy. And fuck, I love I Feel It Coming. That's an amazing, amazing song. And again, like their sound just keeps sort of evolving and changing. They collaborate with amazing people. And uh, mm-hmm. so I, I just think that those two dudes, those two French dudes are like some of the most creative and interesting musicians that have been around in my lifetime. So, yeah, my favorite Daft Punk collaboration being the Gap commercial they did with Juliette Lewis, where they danced to digital. Oh, love. yeah. So yeah. good. <laughs> I don't know why that suddenly popped in my head, but like that whole the whole like record release around Discovery was so huge. Like I they, they're in my honorable yeah. mentions. That, that- album was fucking Such a massive good album. i still that is the daft punk album yeah. i go back to so i'm like yeah for sure yeah and i like i just love the visuals yeah. for interstellar it's such a such a fun yeah like yeah nice add-on like it, it it adds another whole dimension to the album and and for those of you that may have seen some of the videos from the uh discovery album like the video for uh digital love and harder better faster stronger and stuff like that like those came from the wait yeah, not, not harder yeah, better, all faster, of them. stronger yeah the, every single okay, song yeah, had yeah. an accompanying like segment of the movie music video yeah. from yeah yeah, that they then pulled in and, and made those like the music videos that were shown on like MTV and Much Music and all yeah. that. And so, my recommended album for Daft Punk is and always will be from now on uh, Random Access Memories because I fucking love that album. I think it was like my number three or something like that of all time when we were doing our uh, our album lists. And yeah, I mean, for all the reasons that I talked about, then it's just 
it's pulls in so many different interesting influences and pays great homage to the history of, of music and of sort of dance music uh, overall. Um, and it's just, I, every some, sometimes I just like to dance and that's an album that I can put on and just fucking dance to all the way through. And in terms of recommended song, digital love is like, that is like Daft Punk in a bottle for me kind of thing. That song always just, I put it on and it just makes me happy. It makes me want to dance and it makes it's got, it's like the perfect dancing song for me. It's got like awesome, like great beat drops. It's catchy as fuck. It's like happy and bouncy. And the so, lyrics are just yeah. fun too. Like just really simple. Last night I had a dream yeah. about you. Like what? what just great, yeah. just good stuff. Yeah. Wholesome. Indeed. <laughs> nice. Cool. All right. So my top five is going to be like the easiest guesses of all time, you boys. <laughs> and like, there's no surprises here at all. ABBA. So it is ABBA. ABBA is number five. Uh, it's number five through one. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, number no, number one is Aqua because like got to respect, got to respect ABBA, Aqua. ABBA, Aqua. Yeah. Uh, I love you, Christy. If you listen to this, I don't know if you ever will, but you know uh, that Aqua double fucking header at your wedding just still it's just about killed mark <laughs> just about killed me just about killed me <laughs> so my actual number five and i could legit tell you my 10 through six right now easily but my number five is soundgarden so i mean that goes without fucking much surprise i would imagine soundgarden yeah. is soundgarden yeah. they are probably yeah. the best all-around band that came out of seattle they match genres sounds and styles and it's this crazy sludgy psychedelic punk and metal tinged alternative rock that i don't know nobody else really quite does the way they do and i don't know they've got all like some of my favorite musicians in the band matt cameron's in there who is my favorite fucking drummer who's ever picked up a pair of sticks ben shepherd's bass and i guess you can go back to heroes bass also and the older stuff is all great um kim thales in there kim thales a fucking monster on guitar and then of course like this is a band fronted by fucking chris cornell who I will argue till the day I die is the greatest singer that ever happened to rock and roll. But like, yeah, I got into Soundgarden because they were buds with Pearl Jam. Remember, like Temple of the Dog happened before I really even knew either band were. So like they were attached at the hip in my head, regardless of where um, Matt ended up, especially when Matt moved over in the 90s. I've never not loved Soundgarden, but they are a band like on this list that has come into my top five as I've gotten older, like especially when they came back and reunited and I got to see them live finally. They finally, I was like, oh, I like, yes, that they're fucking Soundgarden. They're, yeah, that's religion at this point to me, I guess. So, yeah, I don't know. So, I guess as I've gotten older and more sophisticated in my music taste, Soundgarden's become more important to my music listening, which is as pretentious a (laughs) sentence as I can say (laughs) in this episode, but you know, there it is. So usually I would recommend Super Unknown as the album and then also say Super Unknown as the song because I think that album and song both encapsulate what Soundgarden is overall. But since Chris has passed, I've been going, and likely unhealthily so, back to Down on the Upside a lot. And also having Paul on the podcast makes me lean towards Down on the Upside because that is Paul's favorite Soundgarden record. And it is quickly becoming, pushing its way, or at least like pushing its way into a tied number one spot with mm-hmm. Super Unknown for me at this point. So I'm just going to recommend go listen to Burden in My Hand. And if you can find a live version of it, go do that because, yeah, you get to hear Chris Cornell sing it live. And that man's voice was, I still feel like the world is missing a big voice with him gone. So yeah. there you go. Soundgarden, number five. Yeah, I've always been more of a singles band with Soundgarden than I have like an album band or anything like that. But uh, but I do have a lot of a lot of love for them. They weren't like top tier of like my '90s listening, but they were definitely in the mix. 
Mm-hmm. Now, given given your opinion on Tool, I can see how Soundgarden would also be kind of a tough sit for you. <laughs> like they they have there's more in common between those two bands than probably any other of the grunge bands and Tool would have. Like yeah, the heavy yeah. and weird, more and proggy. Like they do a lot of yeah. that more proggy kind yeah. of stuff. Even though they would hate being called metal or being compared to Tool, I was always like, yeah, I see. There's a real direct line to, in my head from Soundgarden over to Tool. Like mm-hmm. they precede them by a, a solid decade and. I mean, Soundgarden was a big fucking influential band on the metal oh, scene, yeah. regardless of whether they, whether they want like, to <laughs> acknowledge that they yeah, are or yeah. not. You know what I mean? Like all us metalheads are like, yeah, if you're gonna pick one of those four bands, it's Chains or Soundgarden. And like, let's face facts, Soundgarden better. was the vastly better mm-hmm. band. Yeah, and like I love Alice in Chains, but like Soundgarden is fucking Soundgarden. So there yeah. you go. All right, that was pretty quick. So we're doing all right. <laughs> so number four, Paul. Okay, my number four artist is a, maybe an unconventional pick, but it's Nobuo Uematsu. He is the composer of the Final Fantasy series, mm. specifically their main heyday between... Well, actually, he composed almost every single soundtrack for the Final Fantasy series, with a few uh, exceptions, Final Fantasy thirteen being one of them. But yeah, Nobuo Uematsu and Final Fantasy music in general was like... I don't know. It showed me how different aspects of art and can kind of work together to create a moment or create an atmosphere. And Final Fantasy music to me is that thing. Like it just every single Final Fantasy iteration that I was really in love with from Final Fantasy six to especially Final Fantasy twelve all the way through those ones, they all have their own f- unique flavor and are very distinct from each other, but still feel so cohesive to me. And Uematsu is just a fucking genius. I know like there are other video game composers and a- actually anime composers that I was considering on this list, but it seemed obvious to me that he should be on this list for the first artist where I was like, oh, I love this music on this video game. Let me listen to it outside of that context. And I listened to like, it's my, it was my gateway into orchestral and classical music too. Like I didn't really listen to that stuff or no one in our family really did until, and then I started listening to Uematsu and then suddenly I'm like, Oh, there is like, it's, it's great it's fucking yeah. amazing yeah my divergence into classical has also kind of progressed along like it came from film scores and video game scores but like yeah. mostly yeah. film scores and then over yeah. into classical yeah. so that's kind of where i came in yeah so i remember having the same moment as like metroid being like just one of those like sound plus experiences you know what i mean like yeah. the music of metroid yeah. is so like key to important the to the experience yeah, yeah right like that i remember thinking that like i think playing super metroid and being like man if you turn the sound off this game is not as good yeah you know yeah. it's one of those kinds of things and i like i could see as little as a final fantasy fan as i am i can understand because that music is a big fucking part of even the marketing of it yeah you know what i mean like it's so important to like the trailers and like teasers and like everything that final fantasy is is always lushly orchestrated yeah you know by that man by By this same man like almost exclusively this man for like he is one of the key like i cannot imagine final fantasy 9 or final fantasy success period without uematsu being doing the overworld themes and like writing the pop songs that ended up becoming staples of the series starting in number eight Yeah, yeah with Eyes on Me and Fei yeah. Wong singing that. Yeah, so like I can take any Uematsu score and just sit and listen to it and just have it 
in the background, but also there are moments. And as for my favorite pick, I have to pick the Final Fantasy VI score overall because I think it is like just a fucking genius piece of work. And specifically the moment, I don't know if you guys know about the opera house scene in Final Fantasy VI. It's been talked about a lot in like video game moments. I've never played any Final Fantasy game, so I'm totally in the dark here. Yeah. I've seen it on some YouTube listicles that I've watched because like I've never played the game, but like I'm aware of that moment. That moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a character named Celise. She's one of the more tragic characters in the story. She's like mind controlled by the Empire and she starts off as an antagonist and then switches sides. And she has this moment where she sings an opera, but... It's so, for some weird reason, it just stuck with so many different people. Like this MIDI file on a 16-bit console. It's not even a MIDI file, man. It's an SNES like sound creation because like they had to build it inside that chip it wasn't even like midi it's a completely different thing yeah. they had to do to program those sounds on the old especially like on the mega drive or genesis and the super nintendo i've been watching too many european fucking videos about video games it's all very right. common fucking mega drive oh yeah but Ugh. people were so affected by this moment that it's like yeah. it, that moment has lasted it's called uh, aria di mezzo caratere and what happened is like i don't know if you guys know about worlds apart there's a orchestra tour where they play final fantasy music and yeah. i got to see that when i was in toronto and they actually bring an opera singer to sing aria di mezzo caratere it is amazing so yeah that's my pick for like entry point for uematsu you may have to post a fucking youtube video to that that's going to be hard to type out for people who are looking for it yeah maybe it's youtube we need to do a youtube like comment thing on we might have to do that we can do that i can i can i I can actually remember to do that (laughs) yeah Yeah. yeah, i mean if we all say it now and then one of us remembers then we'll be guilty (laughs) doing it right and it's not like it's hard for me to find fucking bird in my hands music video and throw it on a goddamn facebook comment so right anyway there you go is that that it cool that's That's cool though like i I didn't even think that's it's cool that you pulled a video game composer because i didn't yeah i didn't even i didn't have to go that far you know what i mean like it it didn't even make me think that hard (laughs) yeah so because i had bands that i was just like yeah these are that fuck that these these bands were more important anyway uh so good pull Tim, number four. My number four is another one we've talked about at length on the podcast before. It's the only band that we've done a full episode on. It is Radiohead. Well, actually, that's not true. We've done a full episode on Tool as well. So, well, we did it. That was on one album. We weren't looking at like their their overall kind of thing. That is true. And we did do the Radiohead album. And yes, Radiohead uh, is in my top ten. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So out of all the bands on my top five list, I probably enjoy the largest proportion of Radiohead's music overall mm-hmm. because for the most part, they're super consistent. Their output has been fantastic. Uh, it's evolved. <laughs> With the exception of King of Limbs, I will. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so big on King of Limbs. I know which I like. I just like making fun of you for not liking it. I'm like, "Eh, Azzy, I like it. Um, I don't hate it. It's just not. Yeah, yeah, not my favorite. I I totally understand why it's not every. Like, it's nobody's favorite. It's not my favorite either. Yeah, I do enjoy it. So, but I mean, their sound has definitely evolved over the years as well. But they've always still had that sort of base Radiohead spirit that they're like building on 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 top of that you know they've always got like that spirit of experimentation like social commentary and their lyrics and their sounds and stuff like that and it's not very often that like a band really sort of grows along and evolves along with you 
Radiohead was exactly what I wanted it to be in like the mid nineties and then the two thousands and now in this decade kind of thing. And so I've just very much grown along with them. I've been very much along for the ride as their sound has changed over the years. Personally, I think that ultimately Radiohead will be spoken of with the same like reverence as like the greats of like sixties and seventies rock as like the Beatles and the beach boys and Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and the who and the doors and like like it'll be like Nirvana and Radiohead will probably be like some of the ones that are in that tier for our lifetime kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, there's a reason that we did a whole episode on their entire Uber, right? It's just that they have had that much influence on music since, since arriving on the scene in the early nineties. Yeah. Also that the fact that the three of us could actually agree on one band was yeah. just so fucking mesmerizing <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Like, Tim was the, the circle between Christy yeah. and I, but Christy and I's taste in music were just like, <laughs> did not even, we're not even in the same fucking yeah. zip code. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Radiohead was like the one band that we all had in common and probably all, Actually, we probably have more in common now with Paul here because, yeah. like, mm-hmm. Paul's circle is a little bit more like mine, a little, mine, a little I guess, more overlappy. Um, yeah, especially compared to Christy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I I remember being on board with Radiohead from like the first time that I saw like the videos for like High and Dry and Just on Much Music. Just. Yeah, mm. I remember like, Just with all. Yeah. yeah, their visuals were always so cool. They always had the fucking coolest yeah. music videos, and they weren't like they were they were like edgy, but they weren't like just edgy for the sake of being edgy kind of thing like they did have they were legitimately like interesting and made you you know made they you sort of think about shit and yeah, yeah 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 but yeah i mean that just video where everybody just is just like lying on the sidewalk and yeah that and was karma police cool. too yeah the karma police video is fucking amazing um and then just karma police this song oh, just like fucking breaks i fucking i love yeah. that song karma police is just solid genius the whole well that whole album like when okay computer came out that's i'm just gonna go say like that's my recommended album for them again it's in my top five albums of all time i'd have fucking slapped you from yeah. here if you had said oh yeah like what the fuck other album do you recommend? hey it's like hey ben, we're gonna recommend great, totally like listen. fucking moonshade pool yeah. was was like awesome rainbows. and rainbows yeah. moonshade pool yeah. is fucking amazing like, um, they're all great but it's just like yeah if you sl- say anything else like you officially deserve to have the taste <laughs> slap all the way the oh, okay computer out. yeah I mean, that was one of those albums where you hear it and you're like, I've never fucking heard anything like this before. Like, this has changed how I look at music, how I appreciate music. And this is what I'm going to, yeah, what this is one of those things that I'm going to, uh, you know, compare music to going forward kind of thing. And then they just kept changing and adapting yeah. to new sounds. They get like Kid A and Amnesiac in the same fucking year. Yeah. Hail to the Thief and Rainbows are both amazing albums. Like I said, King of Limbs, eh, I could take or leave. And then Moonshade Pool is awesome too. So, Ultimately, Radiohead is one of those bands that I will use to judge somebody's character. Like if I if I find out that somebody's into Radiohead, usually that's a pretty good indicator that I'm going to get along with them. Fair, fair. I mean, it's not you know it's it's not a necessary condition, but <laughs> like who's not into Radiohead if they're into? Yeah. Music? It's hard to be like asshole. Yeah, that it's too. hard to be like yeah, I don't <laughs> exactly. like Radiohead. Like yeah. why do you not like why not? Well, they're too complicated to listen to. I'm like, well, then I don't want to talk to you because if that's how your fucking world runs, yeah, then stay away from me, basically, because yeah. Radiohead's amazing. Anyway, yeah. so uh, awesome. yeah, OK Computer, absolutely my recommended album, and then my recommended song is actually not from OK Computer. Uh, I I mean everybody knows like Radiohead's bigger track, so I wanted to recommend something that I think is kind of underappreciated, uh, and it's My Iron Lung from the Benz. Oh, nice. That's a song that I don't think ever really got as much play as it should have because it was like overshadowed by like the other great shit from the Benz. 
But I mean, that song is representative of Radiohead to me. And it's almost, it gives you some glimpses of what you're going to start getting on OK Computer as well, yeah. kind of before the fact. You know, it's it's sort of starting to show where their next evolution is headed. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, Iron Long, the, the reason why I always think it's not underappreciated because it was in Rock Band and I played the shit That's true. Yeah. out of it because it was yeah. like the only Radiohead song that was available at first. So I was like, oh, I'll fucking play my Iron Long 500,000 times because why would I not want to play the Radiohead song 500,000 times? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and we played that in my band in high school as well so i i love fucking playing that song it's so much fun to play i wonder i'm trying to think how many radiohead songs i still know how to play because I, oh yeah i, I mean I must, we played creep yeah. yeah we played yeah we played a few in our band and it's not like they're super known for complicated drum parts either so it's not like <laughs> it's not like the tool stuff where i gotta go fucking learn it it's more just like do yeah. i know that song well enough to play along to it so and it's just so much fun to play along to right because it's yeah. just like you can like get real into the grooves real into like the energy of it and, and yeah. you, you start like just imagining tom york just fucking spasming all over the stage and yeah. Oh, yeah. that's that's the energy you need to channel to play or play or sing radiohead yeah basically cool yeah my number four and this is for mom is you too i have to say you too no yeah like octoon baby is still the greatest achievement in rock and roll music to this day i still think it's the best album that's ever been recorded from boy to zuropa you two is the best band on the planet and i will fucking cut anybody who disagrees with me like, <laughs> in that span of time they did everything right um except for rattle and hum but you know i can forgive some things <laughs> So, like, Mom is super into those first three records, which I've always kind of... I've started to get in... Like, there's something about those first three records that I've been going back to lately, and I'm like, this new wavy, punky, old version of U2 when they were still super angry. I'm like, I'm very into this. And then, like, they fucking... Right after that, it's Unforgettable Fire, which is such a tonal shift for a band going from, like, we are new wave punk, like, Sunday Bloody Sunday, to being, like, we are the world's band now. And then Joshua Tree being, like, even bigger. And then burning it all to the fucking ground and putting Octung Baby up and then doing Zoo TV, which like was when I got into them mm-hmm. and just like broke my fucking brain in terms of what I thought musicians should be capable of doing in terms of like changing their sound, blowing out the fucking presentation of like a stage show and stuff like that. Like look at Zoo TV and look at a concert tour that happened before Zoo TV. And it's like, wow, it's just a bunch of dudes standing on a fucking platform playing and then you watch utv and you're like holy shit this is a multimedia fucking nightmare you know what i mean this is blade <laughs> yeah. runner come to life and it's gonna eat me but it sounds awesome you know like it sounds so fucking good and bono just fucking eat, chewing the scenery like well that's yeah. the thing it's like bono's so good in that era because he's just chewing the scenery but he hasn't quite proceeded to such be like annoying bono yeah yeah, he's such a good performer. The Edge is like just one of the weirdest but best guitar players ever. And I swear to God, U2 has the best rhythm section since fucking Zeppelin. Oh, Laszlo Bain's amazing. Yeah, Larry Mullen Jr. and Adam Clayton's as a rhythm section are just like the tightest, like snare drum tight together. I, I would listen to them play on their own. Like there's out U2 albums that I'll be like, I don't really like this album, but I will listen to it because I don't give a shit what Bono and The Edge are doing over top of it. Because I know Adam and fucking Larry are down there holding it fucking down in the rhythm section. They always sound great. Yeah. So, I mean, U2, yeah, number four. I can't really go. I could sit here and talk about U2 all night. But I'll just recommend, again, go listen to Octung Baby. And if you don't want to listen to the whole album, just go listen until the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And if you can, find yourself a live ZooTV version. Which I feel like I've recommended 300 times on this podcast. <laughs> but, like, just go fucking do it. Because it's literally my favorite. Like, it may actually be the best song they ever did. And it, like, I love until the end of the world. Like, if you have it on in front of me, I'm like, that may actually be my favorite song of all time because mm-hmm. it's just like so good. Anyway, 
Number three. Let's take a break. Paul needs to pee. Yes, I do. <laughs> hey, I, I knew he was going to have one. I made it. I made it later than you expected. I tried. I, did, okay? I know. And I was going to say between the two, like, oh, shit. He's, <laughs> he, is he going to go pee? <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, hi. Hi. You feel better now? Bladder empty? We're good. Yeah, good. We're good. We're good. All right. All right. Number threes. So we'll start at. Where are we starting? Paul, right? Yeah, yeah. starting with me this time. Um, I'm all confused my, now. <laughs> my number three is uh, David Bowie. Oh, that was on my long list. It's on my in my yeah, top ten for sure. Yeah, top fifteen, but yeah, I got in there. Which he's Bowie? Like, how the hell can you yeah. not? Like, it's just Bowie. Which crypto homo rocker was I gonna pick for <laughs> my top five? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It had to be Bowie. Like, he was an early, early influence on my music because i remember like hearing under pressure because i remember like listening to that fucking classic queen album um and yeah, as much as lot. i love freddie my takeaway was bowie and yeah. then <laughs> mine too oddly enough interesting eh? <laughs> and the labyrinth movie yeah. was also formative in my life but because i that, I that start, bulge really... was that a formative bulge in your in your <laughs> gonna make exactly yeah. the same joke too god damn it you shit i'm fucking i'm just all over my cabbage i'm patch. just picturing paul sitting there doing like the dean from community being like hmm i hope this doesn't awaken anything in me <laughs> Um, <laughs> I honestly just wanted to be Jennifer Connelly in that movie, weirdly <laughs> enough. You know? Anyway, anyway. There's a lot in that statement, oh, actually. Tell me about I want to get, get into that, that. statement. On, <laughs> we unpack that? <laughs> Maybe another episode. On a Patreon, another, on a bonus episode, yeah. therapy session. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fucking sure. adults only. We're like, we, we can't let the kids <laughs> listen to it. Like, you have to be 18 plus to get it off the Patreon site. Yeah, absolutely. We don't have one yet. We're working on it. All right, boys? So... Let's do this thing. Anyway. But yeah, like David Bowie has always been like in my pop culture periphery, no matter what, like he's always been there. He's been influenced. He's done songwriting on other acts that I have loved while also like, I don't remember diving into his music until I got a greatest hits of his when I was probably about 12 or 13 years old. You want to know why that was? Is I got into him because of Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. And that's when I got into from Bowie and I started Reznor, getting you into Bowie. Uh, from, crossover. I'm afraid of Americans. Yeah. Well, no, but even before that, he toured with, not, oh, like, right, with Trent right, right. on Downward yeah. Spiral. Yeah. Right? Like, they did that intercut tour. And like that, I, that was the first bootleg that wasn't a Pearl Jam bootleg that I ever got was that mm-hmm. Bowie Nine Inch Nails show. Yeah. And fuck, Jesus. Like him doing Reptile. Holy fucking God. Just yeah. creep me the fuck out, Bowie. You're a disgusting man. Disgusting. <laughs> But God bless, you know, rest in peace. But like, yeah. fuck, you were gross sometimes. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think that there's like an artist whose back catalog is so extensive that I have like deep dived into quite as often. Like I used to do these things and I still do them with artists that I'm not as familiar with where I'll pick an artist who's been around for a while, critically acclaimed, and I'll deep dive their entire discography from front to back. I've done it with Bob Dylan. I've done it with Joan Baez. I've done it with like all kinds of artists. Dolly Parton was a recent one that I really enjoyed. I'm doing that with Elvis Costello right now. Man, that dude is inconsistent. (laughs) He is extremely inconsistent. (laughs) I did. I've done an Elvis Costello run. You're very right. I love but inconsistent. Oddly enough, the person who can be described exactly the same way 
Neil fucking Young. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like long, prolific career. And about 20% Holy percent of shit, it's every good. third record is just, yeah. And like yeah. maybe 30% yeah. on the Neil Young side is good, but like some of it's fucking awful. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. But you know who can't, that can't be said for is David Bowie. Because David although, fucking Bowie. Although yeah. he did have a downward, uh, we like blue jean happened, guys. Like I'm yeah. sorry, blue jean happened. Then, but then like Let's Dance happened right after. Yeah. So like we can forgive it. We can well, forgive cool. a lot of things. What I like about Bowie when he's not great is at least he's still trying new shit like he's he's yeah. he's he's taking risks sometimes they don't fucking work whereas like somebody like neil yeah. young or elvis costello are just like hey i'm gonna do the same shit i always did and sometimes it's gonna be good but sometimes it's gonna be fucking awful yeah, yeah. he Agreed. never played it safe he always backed artists that he thought were on the vanguard like he loved arcade fire mm-hmm. he backed nine trent Reznor. you know like yeah. david bowie has always been just such an important part of music, but also because his fucking songwriting craft was so fucking good. Like, I don't even know where to start with like my favorite shit of his. Like, it's just so hard to choose. Even just like the newest stuff, like the last one, Black Star. Like, oh my God, was, was so just good. Fucking so amazing. fucking, I couldn't believe it. Like, we just found out he died and they put this album out. I remember sitting down and listening to it and just being like, holy oh fucking God. shit. He knew exactly what he was doing the entire time. This yeah. man was terrifyingly smart at everything he did and this album is fucking flawless and it was a a gut punch it was a fucking gut punch yeah and and it was like getting kicked in the fucking teeth for like 45 minutes so Yeah. yeah yeah so yeah i like it's hard for me to like choose a david bowie era that you like choose as your favorite because i honestly like i love super early david bowie i like his glam rock stuff the berlin trilogy like oh my god even like some of his 80s stuff is the stuff that really formed me as a david bowie fan so i can't like knock it white noise black tie white noise god damn it so good um diamond dogs or um dogs yeah as the world falls down off the fucking labyrinth soundtrack is probably one of my favorite david bowie songs i don't know i it's hard to crazy and even the early 90s stuff like the buddha of suburbia there's mm. i love the 90s stuff the 90s stuff's <laughs> my shit like the oh, earthling suburbia outside outside is so fucking good boys you gotta listen to outside again give that one another shot that album is just yep. 10 out of 10 like mint bowie yeah. so good so um yeah it's it was really hard for me to give like an uh, like you can't summarize david bowie in one fucking song it's not gonna happen but if i had (laughs) to and i'm gonna try it's gonna be heroes and the album heroes i like i had to pick something i had to and this was it like if you have to say like okay here's david bowie in his most like world bending prime where he was doing his like most innovative stuff and everyone was paying attention to david bowie really this is the era and so i have to pick heroes and god there's so many other songs i wanted to pick and i could go like we could do a david bowie episode for sure (laughs) i was actually just thinking we were talking about like maybe we should do another one of these like single artist episodes and just like get into the bowie because like it sounds like we're all real rock hard for this fucking guy which sounds weird, <laughs> but like given the rumors about him, yeah. Know. But yeah. yeah, I still do it. It's not gay if it's Bowie, you know. Like it's fine. It was, and whatever. even if it was gay, yeah. like I'd be like, it was fine for Jagger. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever, I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like if Jagger can do it, then fucking it's fine. Yeah. You know, it's fine. It's cool. um, but yeah, David Bowie. Check out if you guys haven't heard Heroes by David Bowie yet. What the fuck are you doing <laughs> yeah. with your fucking life? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But, you have a Spotify account? Just oh, go. Just like, go stop, do that. Just pause this. Go listen to that. Come back and be like, oh, yes, I was a goof. I should have done that ages yeah. ago. Anyway, anyway, that's awesome. Onward. 
Cool. Yeah. No, man. But oh, fuck. Bowie. Bowie's a hard pull, especially like pulling an album and a yeah. song. I'd be uh, like, I don't. It was so hard because even like the Berlin trilogy, the, you know how the back half are all the sound experiments that he did, like which yeah, which yeah, then yeah. morphed into like greater things later for sure. But like they're not easy sits. Like the no. the B sides no. on those albums are kind of oh, hit, hit or miss. A lot of Brian Eno experimentation on oh, those records. Absolutely. But the, those yeah. those A sides on those three albums. Oh my god, they're like those are the cream of the David Bowie right. crop. I'm like. Mm. That's why those songs are the most covered songs. If you go and look at his discography and like do like a search oh, yeah. on Spotify for each of them, like you'll find those songs covered the most, or the or the the Berlin trilogy actual songs from the beginning of those oh. albums are all like so covered. Oh, my God. Like how many times have we heard mm-hmm. Heroes covered? Like it, everybody does a fucking Heroes cover yeah. these days. And like I. I wanted to pick something off of Low or The Lodger. Like, I could have. Whatever. It's yeah. David Bowie, so go do it. Like, <laughs> I know. And I, and yeah. we, I do realize that there have been, like, you know, people looking back on David Bowie and, like, maybe he wasn't, like, the best guy in the world. But I'm sorry. He is, like, one of the most influential musical artists of ever. So, eh. There you go. Here we go. <laughs> cool. All right. So... Tim, your number three. My number three will come as no surprise. My number three is the Beach Boys. Uh, This is one of those bands that I just grew up with them, like part of my life from when I was a kid because they're my dad's favorite bands. Their music was just always playing as I was growing up. And I Get Around features in Flight of the Navigator, which was one of my favorite movies growing up. Uh, I watched the shit out of that fucking movie. And I'm I'm a sucker for like surf rock, surf guitar, those like three and four part harmonies all fucking do it for me. But this is another one where sort of my appreciation for them sort of matured as I got older and started like learning how to play instruments and like studying music in high school and like music history and stuff like that. So like I, at that point I started getting into like more of their like experimental albums. Like, I mean, pet sounds in particular, because like that is one of the earliest examples of like a cohesive album, like an album as a concept rather than just like as a random sort of collection of songs. And that music historians now point to that album and say like, this is sort of the birth of the album. Like this is the album that popularized that concept, which then shaped music for the next like, what 40 years i mean the album is starting to fall out of favor now but there's plenty of people that are still putting out like solid albums it's just not maybe you know it's maybe about like half of artists are putting out albums rather than like you know just singles and stuff like that now kind of thing my my geek of the week being an excellent example yeah like contemporary artists are still doing that yeah and yeah 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 and i mean it had like uh you know had interesting you know themes woven throughout it kind of thing structured really well i'm pretty much convinced to this day that brian wilson is a genius and still is a genius he's really awkward socially unfortunately and so he doesn't interview very well but if you just take the music on its own like it's just fucking phenomenal Mm-hmm. And uh, so my dad and I have really bonded over their music as I've gotten older, especially when like their reconstructed lost album Smile was released in 2011. My dad and I really bonded over that. I took him to see the Beach Boys when they were in Atlanta for their 50th anniversary. And it was all of them back together because like they don't there's all sorts of fucking like bad blood between those guys and like. Dennis Wilson and Carl Wilson are both dead. And so now like the only ones that are still around from the original are Brian Wilson, Mike Love and Al Jardine. And some of the other ones are just like people that have kind of come in later after the fact and sort of been filling in kind of thing and now have kind of just become part of the band. But yeah, that was a really cool, really cool concert experience. The music itself is interesting and they're all pretty talented musicians and and their albums are all really well produced. Their music's really well produced generally, but 
I think what really gets me with Beach Boys is it really captures all the parts of Americana that I love, like the sort of spirit of opportunity, like hanging out at the beach, drive-ins, like that really idealized like version of like 1960s America kind of before people started getting disillusioned with the American dream kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah, God Only Knows is tied oh, yeah. for my number one song of the 1960s with Be My Baby by the Ronettes. Nice. Like, I really, like, I, I kind of go between those two and uh, Happiness is a Warm Gun by the Beatles. Oh, yeah. Kind of like. <laughs> yeah. I, was say, I was gonna say, Happiness is a Warm Gun. It wasn't Heard It Through the Grapevine in that Yep, absolutely. Too, that, that, would be a, that, that would man, be mine. It, it is a fucking, that's a tough choice for best single Decision. ever, but God Only Knows is like, oof, that's a hard. It's, yeah, we have never really talked about how much I love those Marvin Gaye oh. records. Like, that's he. He's, <laughs> he's one of those guys like i don't we don't like it just doesn't fit into my usual like yeah. spiel yeah. especially about stuff but like that sounds that nice. voice is <laughs> fucking like heaven like just yeah. Heaven. yeah anyway yeah so that's cool um yeah. that sounds a great fucking so, record too yeah. yeah i still i love bringing it up the fact that he just went completely insane because of fucking john lennon and paul mccartney like he just couldn't keep up with them like oh yeah they both kept one-upping yeah. each other like there's you know all sorts of interviews where uh the beatles where uh, lennon and mccartney and harrison were talking about like yeah fucking pet sounds came out and it just blew our goddamn minds and then we felt like we needed to up our game and Spice then you get pepper. like <laughs> you get like sergeant pepper and shit like you get like sergeant pepper and magical mystery tour and shit like that and Jesus. like and then brian wilson is just like how the fuck do i one-up that and then he tries to make smile and he goes fucking crazy and then after yeah. that so there's the beatles still and yeah. the big fucking white album <laughs> like that's still coming you know what i mean like the beatles are like better they should be in all of our top tens but like it's just like they're so it's like i like air yeah well fuck everybody does <laughs> like so of course you like the beatles so you know shut up like nobody cares anymore yeah it's like during the like the late aughts when everybody was doing a beatles cover during their acoustic sets and it was just like you're not being original yeah. man like, nobody <laughs> fucking cares that you like the beatles everybody <laughs> yeah. likes the fucking beatles yeah. you know what i mean anyway <laughs> Cool, that's awesome. Right. My recommendations. Yeah, Pet Sounds is the easy one, but if you have not gone back and listened, I mean, there was a version of Smile that was released in the 60s, but is just a shadow yeah. of what it could have been because, like, that was when things started to sort of fall apart with the band and Brian Wilson became, like, a fucking recluse and he wasn't even, like, yeah. really interacting with the band. Like, he would just, like, send them bits of music and shit like that and say, hey, go record this, and then they would record it and it wouldn't be anywhere near, like, what his vision for it was. But then in 2011, they went back and they reconstructed from the original session from Smile, the album itself sort of as close to how it was conceptualized, what it was ever going to get. And it is fucking phenomenal. And I love it. And I strongly recommend that if you've not heard it. And my recommended song, probably... Yeah, I'm going to go with Heroes and Villains, uh, particularly the version from the Smile Sessions, because that's another song that there has been multiple versions released on. But that version and kind of how it fits in with the rest of the album is really excellent. It's just an awesome example of Brian Wilson's creativity, the way that his mind works. You know, one of his little like pocket symphonies where it's like a five minute song that has like four different movements to it and like themes woven throughout it and that kind of thing. And just absolutely amazing cool so that's me number three it's interesting that you were just talking about people sending each other music to complete music because my number three we just talked about like a couple weeks ago we just did an episode about it where you two trashed this band for an hour while i pouted because i loved it and wanted to nerd out about it my number three is tool i don't know what the fucking talk yeah. even say about that tool we haven't point, already just been an hour talking about it yeah, but like briefly, like tools, tool, tools, a lot of things. But what they are to me is amazing musicians that 
like Tim with Radiohead and along with Radiohead have, and probably unintentionally completely changed the way I listen to and think about music, like from making it, producing it, performing it, going to see it, like listening to it. Like you have to, like it changed the way I listen to music to listen to tool because it's just like, you have to sit there and sit inside of it and like stew. You have to stew in those tool juices. (laughs) Yeah. You got (laughs) to stew in those tool juices. Exactly. Right. So like, but no band does what Tool does, you know what I mean? Like, or at least when they first came out, there was no band like Tool that existed anywhere. I guess Rush kind of, but like, they weren't as spooky as fucking Tool is, you know what I mean? Like, all of the things that Tool does, Tool does with this coding of spooky artistic pretension Mm -hmm. that works perfectly for me as a metalhead and a music fan and like just an art kind of dude, like the artsy whatever guy that I am. I love that shit. So... On top of everything else, they're the widescreen version of art metal, and they're just a group of guys that are so fucking ridiculously good at their respective instruments and so in tune with each other creatively that they can assemble music that can be fucking totally baffling to me, where it takes me like six listens to before like, oh, <laughs> I get it. Cool. Like we were talking about when we were reviewing it that like I'll definitely eventually like calling voices and Numa and songs that we were all like eh on at first will eventually click. Calling Voices is like my favorite song on the album now because I spent the time inside it figuring it out. And like now I'm like, yep, <laughs> like Calling Voices a lot. So yeah, these guys are awesome. And also, I just want to point out the last thing. Well, two things I have left to point out. First of all, if you don't like Tool, have you not heard Danny Carey play fucking <laughs> drums? Have you not heard him play drums? Because he's an octopus cyborg that I don't know how he does what he does, and he's crazy. Again, I, I am I will always give props to Tool for their, their technical proficiency. is just fucking amazing. Yeah. They are some of the most talented musicians uh, in, of our generation, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Also, here's my last point. Did you guys notice? So, like, we, we talked about, like... We've talked about ad nauseum, kind of jokingly, about like how reality broke when Bowie, Prince, Tom Petty, like 2016 happened. We lost all those magnificent Ugh. artists, right? Like, along yeah. with Chris Cornell oh, and Gord Downey. Like 2016 yeah. sucked. Yeah. And the world went to shit, right? Did you ever notice how like Canada got a good election result and the impeachment started right after the fucking Leviathan that <laughs> unfurled itself Reverse and Cthulhu. Unleashed, its, unleashed itself on the world? It is. It's like, it's like Cthulhu <laughs> came out and was just like, fine, fuck, I'll fix it. You know what I mean? Here's an album. Because like, do you, can you think of a band that has that mystique like those 70s bands like Bowie did that isn't Tool? Like think about a band. Not that anymore. Right and that's a, a lot Radiohead. of yeah. Radiohead and Tool, right? Like that's it. Yeah. Maybe Pearl Jam, arguably. And for me, Bjork. Yeah, I guess, yeah, Bjork's a good pull, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll, also. We'll but talk like, about her later. <laughs> but you got U2 still around, but U2 sucks now, so like, yeah. who gives a shit? But it's just like, Tool is like, it, they have that magic to them where you're like, oh, okay, I get it. They came back, and the world got normal-ish again, mm. which is weird to say, because... Because <laughs> that fucking album is not normal. Because fucking Tool did it. So like, <laughs> I don't know. But hey, man, the impeachment started, and Canada didn't go to shit on me. So, like, <laughs> I'm going to just... Give that one to Maynard and Danny and Adam, basically. And, you know, Justin, because he's looking real foxy these days. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so my recommendation is always going to be Lateralis. And my song recommendation is always going to be Lateralis. So go listen to the Lateralis album and then listen to the Lateralis song again, because Lateralis is everything the tool is. Although I have been really enjoying Anima, the song, the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. Like, it keeps popping up. And I'm like, man, this... Whew, learn to swim, motherfuckers. You know, just like so good. Praying for rain. Yeah. yeah. All right. Number two. Number two. Paul. My number two is Joanna Newsom. Oh God. Okay. God. Right. 
Yeah, all right. Well, we knew this was coming. Oh, no, wait, no, I'm bracing myself. Coming. I'm just bracing myself. Hold on. Okay. I just need a drink. Yeah. All right, I'm good. Go. I, I've been a fan of Joanna Newsom for more than a decade now. And Joanna Newsom only has four albums to her name, but I still think should be considered one of the greatest songwriters living right now. Hey man, Tool's only got five records, so I'm. I'm. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, I just, I've said a lot about Joanna Newsom in the past on this podcast and and on the other podcast, and we'll probably continue to say a lot about Joanna Newsom <laughs> for the rest of the time that you're on these podcasts. Currently missing her North American tour that she's on right now, where it's which she has called the Strings Keys incident. Which I don't want to think about it because I'm missing Tool this week. So like we yeah. we're not going to talk about yeah. us missing tours this week. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Because I don't want to don't want to start sobbing. Yeah, um, yeah no, because I just start crying because I'm like Tool plays like Monday and I'm like I, I can't get tickets. So fuck. Yeah, I think the reason that I think I love Joanna Newsom so much is that she encapsulates like how big music can be and how much I love storytelling so much. Like I just love the way that she tells a story in a song, the way that she chooses her words so carefully in her lyrics to build a a world as huge as like, only skin a 17 minute song where she's composed every single aspect of it with orchestral help from van dyke parks who also worked on brian wilson's smile connection yep. there yep. so also you know what 17 minute song you never get the bitch about the length of a tool song ever again Paul. <laughs> so i completely forgot that those songs were so long <laughs> <laughs> they got movements though not always tool songs but anyway well uh, yeah i mean yeah that's true she, she will probably always be accused of being pretentious and no one's gonna like her voice as much as like the diehard Joanna Newsom fans. I, I get that there are caveats to being a Joanna Newsom fan, but I honestly think that her song craft shows like true love of music. I feel lucky to be able to be alive when she's releasing albums. Like that's how much I love her. So yeah, if I have to make her a recommendation, it has to be the album East. I think it is a masterpiece and uh, the song that I were you can hear my thoughts on that. I'm pretty sure on the, uh, on the other uh, the po- side, yeah. side B episode yeah. we did. Yeah, we talked about yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, and I have to pick. Oh, it's hard for me to pick a single song of hers, but I think that Sawdust and Diamonds <laughs> shows like the lyrical skill that she has, as well as like her just her and her harp her shredding her heart for a solid 10 minutes. Like, honestly, <laughs> honestly. I'm still waiting for the, uh, the tool Joanna Newsom collaboration <laughs> where she harps I, on top of like, you know, Danny Carey, polyrhythms. I've actually, you know what? I've fucking listened to it a million times. I guarantee you. I they, think they great. both use polyrhythms. Oh, like they're both like, they're just, you know, they're just using them for very different ends. I still, I still think that's something I need to hear is like a heavy metal version of Joanna Newsom. Like I think somebody needs to do like progressive. I'd Joanna. be surprised if somebody has not already done that. If they aren't, when you guys get home, we're putting a band together and we're fucking doing it. <laughs> so like, Paul, you need to learn an instrument. Right. Like you need to learn harp like now. I gotta learn the yeah, harp. Cause okay, like Tim I plays go, bass and I play drums. Like I can't play drums like Danny Carey. So I have have work to do also so you know tim's got the easy job here oh yeah <laughs> tim's yeah. got to come up with bass so, parts yeah. for her heart music i guess <laughs> rough um so yeah i know that uh it's not gonna be a popular one among my co-hosts but for me <laughs> it's uh she's she's really important to me and her music has really like gotten me through some really deep dark depressive shit like especially during my university years when i was an undiagnosed anxiety depressive person Joanna Newsom kind of helped me survive that yeah. so that was great so uh, I re- she's really important to me overall 
Yeah, my number two. Actually, I have the same fucking story with my number two. So she's she's definitely very creative. I will be happy to. Yeah, I'm happy to give you that. Yeah, I will likewise always kind of shout out just the fact that she does her own fucking oh, thing, yeah. and I appreciate that about yeah. her. Yeah, I just don't care for any. And of she them. makes a living doing doing yeah. her own fucking yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. And like Andy Samberg, like should really be referred to as you know, Mister Joanna Newsom. Mister Joanna Newsom, for sure. The way that he speaks to her in such loving reverence, and I'm like, it's I, so I, funny. I just, eh? I just like you're correct. I just feel like yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly how you should be talking about her, buddy. Because so otherwise, <laughs> well, she talks about him the same way. They're I, they're very like fawning over each other it's gross you know what i mean like they're they're that gross couple where you're like oh god why are you so cute together yeah you've you've been married for like six or seven years and you're still like totally into each Uh, other isn't there like a baby boomer joke about how you're supposed to hate each other isn't that something that's supposed to happen all the time oh no never mind that's some that's something else yeah yeah cool yeah all right cool we we've done we we pulled the band-aid off we got through all right tim number two well, Mark already foreshadowed my number two because I could not. I, I'm going to be that fucking pedantic bastard that puts the Beatles on my list. I knew somebody was going to do it. <laughs> all right, good. So the Beatles are my number two band of all time. It's a very similar story to uh, the Beach Boys for me because like the Beach Boys, this was music I grew up with because the Beatles are my mom's favorite band. So it's just been around my entire life. Uh, she would play more of like their earlier poppier music for us when we were kids like please mr postman and help and then like some of the more kiddie kind of stuff like yeah or like a yellow submarine and octopus's Mm -hmm. garden and stuff like that which are practically kid songs ringo yeah and uh i mean i i got i got an appreciation for ringo it's not you know the same appreciation i have for john paul and george no but then again when i started learning guitar and bass i started studying music in high school here comes the sun was one of the very first songs i ever learned how to play on guitar my appreciation for them and their like just massive fucking impact on music just deepened and i got more into more of their like experimental albums like magical mystery tour and sergeant pepper and the white album and stuff like that admittedly their music is a little more schizophrenic than the beach boys which is why this is the one band that is in my top five artists but that was not in my top five albums oh that makes sense mm-hmm. we had the same thing with bowie right where we were talking about like we love bowie yeah. we love the beatles but you can't pick an album because yeah they're, exactly like, Eh? The album, I think, was hard. I think I had Revolver or something like that. In, like the Re- Revolver, yeah, I think you did. Yeah, yeah, and, hard, I, and I had like uh, I had Let It Be yeah. somewhere or Abbey Road somewhere yeah. in like my like top ten or top, top fifteen or something. And I could always just like if if I'm not going to say Revolver, I just always say Rubber Soul. Like Rubber yeah. Soul and Revolver are basically like Use Your Illusion one and two to me. Same you know, recording yeah. session together. Same. Uh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. just belong together. Um, so. But yeah, I mean, it, like it, it, the music is more schizophrenic because you've got three like fucking songwriting geniuses and journeyman performers, and then Ringo. Yeah, and, and, Ringo. Ringo. <laughs> and then Ringo. Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> and like you know, we should stop shitting on Ringo because like I've been playing drums for a long time, and a guy who can get away with playing the way he plays deserves props because he did exactly what he needed to do he, to be exactly. in the Beatles and like he is the drummer that the Beatles needed yep exactly and like yes yeah. was he not great nope but did he need him to be nope. not fucking nope. at all not nope. at god they did not need Danny Carey you know what I mean that nope. would have been too much for this band they don't need that they needed Ringo yeah. so and I mean towards the end especially like those three John Paul and George were like basically making their own music yeah. within just within the context of the Beatles yeah. like I could pick any one of these and say like these are you know, amazing performers and amazing songwriters but if I can just throw them all under one fucking heading and say the Beatles then I'll do that instead yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes it real easy to just be like, hey, guys, the Beatles. Also, yeah. I mean, like, Revolver exists. So, like, that's also an argument <laughs> for them being yeah. on your list, too. So, yeah. there's that. And, I mean, you know, I'm not going to 
harp on this because what is there to say about the Beatles that fucking hasn't already been said? You know, their influence, their creativity is just totally undeniable. They're all excellent musicians as well. Maybe not Ringo, but fucking John Paul and John Paul and George are all fantastic musicians as well. You know, they all play with like just crazy amounts of like heart and soul and emotion and technical proficiency. Have you ever seen McCartney fucking fuck? He yeah. came in to play on, I think it was one of the, the Sound City sessions that Dave Grohl was putting together when they were mm. doing that movie. And they just walked in and were like, hey, this is the part you need to learn. He was like, okay, I got it. And they were like, yeah. do you want to look at it? And he was like, why? No. You know what I mean? I've been he's doing like, this no, for I'm 50 years. I'm good. He's like, he's like hey, uh, guys, I was in the fucking Beatles, basically, <laughs> is what he says to them. Right? And they're like, oh, yeah, right. Sorry, I fucking forgot. We're talking to Paul fucking McCartney. Like, why mm-hmm. are, we, where are we even asking? Just play it. It's fine. Whatever yeah. you want to do, just play it. Exactly. So. <laughs> for me, recommended album here is real fucking tough. I mean, I, I always stick around like that sort of 1967 sort of era of them is like yeah. my like prime Beatles. So uh, I'm going to go with Magical Mystery Tour. It's it's like really the, sort of their most like crazy experimental, like, you know, doing all kinds of fucking drugs and shit on there. And that's the Beatles I'm here for. So Magical Mystery <laughs> Tour is my recommended album. My recommended track is is off uh, Sergeant Pepper, though. The song that really sort of encapsulates the Beatles in a bottle for me is A Day in the Life. Oh, okay. Nice. It's just it's. I think it's really representative of the greatest of the Beatles. It's one of the best album closers of all time because it closes out Sgt. Pepper with that like fucking epic piano chord that they just let resonate. And yeah, I think it's just iconic song that really. I, and I feel like it's one where they all have some influence. I feel like it's probably a Paul song, but it feels like it's got elements of John and Ringo and George in the songwriting there as well. So. Yeah. Fair. Nice. Cool. So number two. It, my number two, I guess, because that's where we're at, yep, right? Yeah. Good, good. Awesome. So my number two, and speaking of people who got me through depressive episodes, we're going to talk about the same fucking guy I always talk about when we do this thing, and it's Matthew Good. Who, strangely enough, was the the side B or side A on the uh, Joanna Newsom. That's true. Yeah, we did <laughs> Beautiful Midnight, that, did, yeah. that episode. That's true. So nothing Matt Good does will ever make me not love his music. I don't give a shit how big an asshole he is. I don't care when my brother loves trying to do a gotcha moment with me where he meets some rando hussy who claims to have fucked Matt while he was married. <laughs> it's happened like three fucking times. It has happened three times in our whatever existence. You always seem to meet these girls who are like, yeah, I fucked Matthew good. And then you have to tell me about it. And I'm like, guess what? I don't care. I know he's a piece of shit yeah. and I don't fucking care. <laughs> I'm still alive because I hear him sing and I know I'm not alone. So he can fuck whoever he wants at this point. So whatever. Um, I just think it's really funny. You always do that. Every time you're like, hey, remember Matthew Good? And I'm like, no, I don't know hey, who Matthew Good is. it was one time. I... No, you've done it three times. I have three fucking different ones that you've done. It <laughs> no way. I shit you not. It happens like once a, every couple of years it happens. And it's happened twice since you were in Korea, for sure. There's two girls who you've mentioned. Ran into people in girl. Korea that have been <laughs> that have banged yeah. Matt Good. That's what I mean. There were Canadians who were over there. I'm like, why? What do they do? They fuck him and leave town? Like, I don't understand. Chase them out of the. Chase like, <laughs> probably, probably, <laughs> probably <laughs> honestly, I probably would. Oh my god, it's entirely possible. Either way, so so I've talked about how I discovered Matt and how I've tracked his career through ups and downs. So he's the same story that Tim had with Radiohead, where I just like I discovered him. And he has aged with me. He's always putting records out every couple of years. I get a new Matthew Good album. And I'm always like, oh, yeah, this, this, this is what I where need. I'm at yeah. right now. Yeah, this is what I need. Uh, he always does that. He's always managed to do it. So, like, I've gone through a career's ups and downs, waning interests, annoyance that is personal bullshit. And you know what? I'm never not going to have Underdogs or Avalanche or his discography on my phone. It's always going to be there. I'm never going to see that he's playing and not want to go because he's mine. Like, no one else likes him like I do, and I don't care. I've seen him 50 times. I'll see him 100 more before I die, God willing. 
because when I see Matt live, I feel I feel that magic. Like when you go see a band that you love it and you feel the magic, I always feel it when I go see him live. There's bands that I love as much as him, like the Tea Party or even Tool. You two, the where I've gone to see them, have been like, oh yeah, that was kind of a lackluster performance. I've never had that with Matt, and I've never had that with my number one either. So there's that. But yeah, so like every time I sit down on my drums, I can play Underdogs from beginning to end. I still love it. That's all it has to be for me. So the album I'm going to recommend this time, since I probably recommended everything in his <laughs> discography at some point over the course no. of this podcast, I'm going to recommend Vancouver, which is one of his solo records from 2009. Um, I think it's actually his best solo effort from beginning to end. And then the song is from Underdogs. This is Invasion 1. So you get a little bit of like Matthew Good Band and some mid-career Matthew Good. That's quite nice, too. So <laughs> Paul's nodding his head in half agreement. <laughs> I love I- I like Matthew Good. I still like his music, so I'm like, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not mad at this. Yep. Not mad. So we're gonna go to number one. <laughs> My number one, mm-hmm. Bjork. This should come as no surprise to anybody. Bjork is kind of like I've t- talked about her as like kind of the nexus for the reason that I became the music nerd that I became. You gotta stop stealing my bits, man. This is my bit for my number one. (laughs) I got, well, because I got influences from you for like the more rock alternative side and mom's influence from U2 and all that Eurythmics, The Cure, all the other weird stuff, as well as like her weird folksier influences whenever she got drunk on St. Patrick's Day and listened to the Chieftains or whatever. Yeah. Love you, mom. But Bjork was like my first kind of like, oh, she, what, what is this? What's going on? I would see her music videos <laughs> on The Wedge for uh, It's So oh So Quiet or The Bachelor. And even It's So oh So Quiet was a huge hit and was on The Countdown and stuff like that. I'm like, who is this, this person? Who is this crazy, brassy voice person? And then I started seeing her stuff after It's So oh So Quiet, stuff off of Homogenic, like Bachelorette. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then finally, I I broke down and bought her greatest hits. I think it was 2001 when her greatest hits came out after she had already released four albums. And I was like, oh, and I was obsessed with that greatest hits. I listened to it pretty much through high school. And then I realized that, oh, like all of these come from really individually amazing albums. And I started like just devouring her catalog and I honestly don't think that Bjork has had a bad release. And I think she is one of the most influential musicians of our time coming up the same time as Radiohead. They, those two, like Bjork and Radiohead, at the same time in the late 90s were changing everything. But for me, Bjork spoke to me so much in so many different ways. She just let every idea happen and flourish and just created some of the most insanely huge music I've ever heard in my entire life. And I still go back and I'm like, where, where did she come up with this shit? Well, um, she's like batshit insane. So I'm assuming it's that batshit insane, but also incredibly creative. She's very workman. Like she's been yeah. in the music industry for 50 Fucking, years or yeah, something I was gonna like, say, like 40 forever. years, right? Like forever. Yeah. yeah. She's been in the music industry since they tried to launch her as like a fucking pop star jazz artist the sugar cubes came yeah. after the fact i don't like and since then has been like a still releasing very vital like creative insanely cool music 
with her latest release that just came out, Utopia, like, holy crap, it was so good. I loved it. So I love Bjork. I know that like people just kind of, they remember the swan dress. They remember um, her attacking the reporter. They remember, yeah. uh, but my, my like, question was like, what was the bear video? Remember the bear video? Oh, human behavior. behavior. That's yeah. human, human behavior. Yeah. That was the one where I was like, I remember like that was my wedge Bjork video experience. Like the first time I remember yeah. Bjork existing in my world was like watching the wedge to hear like a new nine inch nails track or something they were supposed to play that night and being like oh we're gonna play the new bjork video and i'll be like all right i've heard of her so like let's do this and then this just mind fuck happens for five minutes or whatever and i was like yeah i don't know what the fuck just happened right there but okay cool yeah, yeah. uh interesting so i think i bought that record on the strength of that video though i liked yeah that was the same one as hyper ballot no not hyper ballot um army of me wasn't that uh no that was the one before either way i think i bought i bought those two albums i had those two albums and probably i remember paul stealing them i think the the copies of those albums paul has are probably the ones he stole from me from like back in the 90s because i did buy them and they were just like not my thing so paul was like i love bjork and i was like i have two of her cds i don't know if they're good here Yeah, you had de- I know you had date. I'm pretty sure you had debut. I'm pretty sure I bought post myself. I had well, and I for sure had yeah. Whichever one Army of Me was on is the one I had for sure. That was post. Post, yeah, I'm I had post. Sure. I know, I, I know, I bought that myself too. So yeah, like, whatever. Either way, then I don't know where those CDs went. So there's <laughs> yeah, that yeah. too. Your changed my life, and she also has gotten me through a lot of rough times, but also is one of those artists that continuously reinvents herself and tries new things constantly even if they fall like she does have a a, what i call a dark period where her albums were kind of like slightly above average instead of amazing um that would be volta and biophilia but every other release i will go to bat for being like a to a plus on it every single one i will fight you on it so uh yeah bjork Definitely. Um, if I have to recommendations for song, it has to be actually song and album. Yoga off of Homogenic and Homogenic, the album in its entirety was like the turning point for Bjork. Like Post definitely like got her to a new level. Like she was getting out of the clubs and doing more experimental stuff, but it crystallized on Homogenic. And that is like, yeah, just a stunning piece of art. And go listen to Homogenic front to back because it's incredible. Nice. Yeah. Cool. All right. So number one, Tim. My number one uh, will come as a surprise to fucking nobody. It is Weezer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is this is similar to Paul and Mark with Matt Good. Like the Blue Album in 94 and Pinkerton in 96 got me through some fucking rough times in high school guys like they they like i was i did not have a lot of friends i was into things that were considered really nerdy at a time when that wasn't really cool fucking rivers music and weezer's music helped me come to terms with who i was like i heard rivers sing about the sorts of things i was going through like being a wallflower like kind of being awkward around girls like spending a lot of time alone like doing nerdy shit and so i started feeling like I, I wasn't alone. There were other people out there like me that felt the same way because this music was huge. So, I mean, there was, there was the guys, there was, you know, the band, and then there was all the fans that, you know, were, were people that were like me. Yep. And I mean, I've gone on at length about both the blue album and Pinkerton on our favorite album series. Those are both in my top 10 of all time. And I mean, yeah, I don't want to rehash that too much, but they're both just fucking seminal albums. They both have just 
unforgettable singles and amazing b-sides and shit as well but then i mean things definitely did change after pinkerton didn't do so well and you know rivers kind of had his breakdown and matt sharp left to form the rentals and yeah the sound changed but i i maintain to this day that they're one that there's a lot of fantastic output from that mid-90s era that a lot of people probably haven't heard this was the first band that I really fucking like deep dove. Like I was on their website. I can remember being on their website because they would put up like demos and live cuts and shit like that. Like at a time when bands just weren't really doing that, they were just free to download, you know, in like the early two thousands. And so like, I remember pulling all those like demos and I've still got them all in my iTunes, but there was also some really great shit in terms of like B sides and rarities around that time. Like, Shit like Suzanne from the Mallrat soundtrack. There's a track called Their Cover of Valuria. Yeah, their cover of the Pixies Valuria is fucking amazing. Devotion from the El Scorcho single is really, really good. You Gave Your Love to Me Softly, which is from the Angus soundtrack, is really, really good. I I remember like spending hours on Napster and like Audio Galaxy, like hunting down these B sides and shit like that. And being like, I need more of this because I wasn't getting any, you know, there there wasn't anything else coming out. Like I was getting like the green album and I was like no give me more of like weezer pinkerton you're a weezer kind of thing and two their output yes since the 90s is not as consistent in terms of quality but there are some real gems in there to be had in some of their later stuff if you go back and listen to the last four tracks of everything will be all right in the end from 2014 they're really solid tracks they harken back they have a lot of that sound from like the blue album and pinkerton um and the last three tracks are like a nice little rock symphony like sort of reminiscent of like beach boys and beatles because there's obviously crazy fucking influence like of the Beatles and the Beach Boys on Weezer's music. Oh, I was gonna thought I thought you were gonna say the Pixies again. And I was like, yes, that absolutely. Yeah. Well, there too. Because like yeah. Valoria, if Valoria didn't exist, the pick like Weezer would not exist. I'm pretty sure. You know, like yeah. that song was never written. Yeah. There's no fucking Weezer. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> and then there's lots of other singles on their later albums that work for me, like on the Red album, there's the greatest man who ever lived. And then you've got like Put Me Back Together is really good. California Kids is really good. King of the World is really yeah. good. And then that Africa cover from last year was that just went fucking crazy viral and shit so they're still they still have good shit that they put out it's just that they're not as consistent yeah. these days you know they're they're making a living on their music and i'm happy that they are it's just i'm you know i'm happy when i get those little gems here and there from weezer these days but yeah weezer had a massive personal impact on me in my formative years so they are will always be sort of number one in my yeah. heart cool or oh, you got to do recommendations. Yeah. And so my recommended album for Weezer will always be Pinkerton because uh, there's still people out there to this day that don't really know that it's there. You know, they just know the hits and everything God, from the Blue Album. Like, does anybody else find that totally baffling? Because I'm like, <laughs> that's their best record in my head. I'm like, pick Weezer's best album. I'm like, it's Pinkerton, yeah. guys. Like, I'm sorry. It's just factually fucking Pinkerton. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. It's objectively Pinkerton's yeah. the greatest yeah. thing he ever did. Sorry. <laughs> like, the Blue Album's yeah. great. I love the yeah. Blue Album. But it's like, no, fuck Pinkerton's better. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But my recommended song is from the Blue Album because um, My Name is Jonas is the song that encapsulates Weezer for me. You have such a hard on for that fucking song, too. I like, love that fucking, fucking love song. It. Yeah. Well, and part of it is there's no point in recommending, again, any like the better known songs because mm. like, 
you know, and my name is Jonas doesn't get much in the way of like radio play or callouts and shit like that these days sure. as much as you know, like Say and So or Buddy Holly. I feel like it does like on that. this podcast. Like I it feel does. like I hear it all the time I'm making up for it. on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, who doesn't but, talk about my name is Jonas? Oh right. Wait, I'm on a podcast with Tim and that's yeah. all he talks about when it comes to That's awesome. My name is Jonas has everything I love in a Weezer song. It's got the fuzzy guitars, it's got the Ooh. harmonies, it's got like that raw energy, that uh, catchy fucking guitar hook, like awesome like screaming hair metal kind of guitar solos and like great fucking fun easy to sing along to lyrics so i love i love my name is jonas i miss the big metal cabinet sound of the blue album too though like they, yeah they, they really chunked up their fucking sound on that first one like, it's never been the same some of those more recent singles go back to that sort of same like oh, blue okay. album kind of sound so okay. give go go back and give those a shot like every once in a while they'll put out something that i feel like would have been you know totally in place on the blue album or pinkerton nice so my number one is like the most fucking obvious thing of all time and i don't even know why we're doing this it's pearl jam pearl jam is my favorite band of all time <laughs> yeah i know that since it's just like the same story as weezer like i know that since like basically 1998 like since yield came out they they're not super relevant it doesn't matter every album has something i like on it and those first five albums are fucking perfect to me like i can just sit there and listen through 10 through yield and be like yep that's the best band that's ever fucking happened. Just the best fucking band. Yeah, yeah, that's home to me. So that's just home to me. So Pearl Jam is number one, and there's a million reasons for it. The biggest one being like they were the first band I discovered organically on my own. I discovered them via all the ways that I would go on to discover music for the, the next like couple decades, right? Like much music was playing alive and even flow constantly. The Jeremy video was on all the time. We listened to 102.1 and 97.7. Pearl Jam was like the biggest fucking thing that ever happened Mm -hmm. that year, right? Like even like Nirvana and Pearl Jam were constantly on the fucking radio. 10, like those 11 songs from 10 are seared into my brain to the point where like, if you sit me down behind a drum kit and be like, play Why Go right now, I'd be like, yep, cool, done. And be like, okay, play Garden now. I'd be like, yep, cool, done. I can do all these songs. Would you want to play something from Vitalogy? I can do that too. Like I know all every fucking beat for these songs. So, but they also introduced me, like they were my introduction to alternative rock for our generation, for my generation, I guess. Like mom got me started with U2 and The Cure. Dad was Beatles and Robert Cray. So I got a little bit of a mix of everything growing up. And then I found Guns N' Roses through my cousins and stuff. And then I remember finding Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam was fucking mine. You know what I mean? And Matt became mine later, but Pearl Jam was mine. And then everything that I liked or was exposed to was because of Pearl Jam. I found Soundgarden because of Pearl Jam with Temple of the Dog. I found Alice in Chains via Pearl Jam because they toured together. Nirvana, because you just couldn't escape the conversation between those two bands happening all the time. Yeah, I found some of my other like favorite bands through Weezer too, like shit like Phantom Planet exactly. and stuff like that, like more of that, that power poppy kind of stuff. Yeah. And it blossoms out from there, right? Like, so like Pearl Jam leads to Soundgarden leads to metal, which leads to tool, which leads to Mastodon, which leads to Deftones and helmet and all that kind of stuff. The PGA guys were friends with Josh Homme. Matt Cameron played on the first Queens of the Stone Age record. They tried to get Caius to open for them before Caius imploded. So like they were that band. I discovered Sleater Kinney through Pearl Jam. <laughs> Their covers and Mirrorball introduced me to Neil Young properly. The Who and Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix were all bands they covered. So was the MC5. They take guys like Bands of Horses or Kings of Leon on tour. So like if you have a center pin for the web diagram you're building of why Mark likes music, Pearl Jam's in the fucking middle of it. And everything branches off of Pearl yeah. Jam. So and then they have the audacity to have Eddie Vedder as their singer, whose voice is, again, we're going to say home. Like Eddie Vedder's voice is home to me. And then they also decided that they needed a new drummer in 1997 and they could hire Matt Cameron. So guess who they hired? They hired Matt fucking Cameron. So they grabbed my favorite drummer on the planet 
cinched him from obscurity after Soundgarden fell apart and brought him over and like, hey, guy, you're just going to tour with us. And I was like, wait, I get Pearl Jam and fucking Matt Cameron on all these tours now? Rock and fucking <laughs> roll. Favorite band ever. Yeah, so like it, it's crazy. So they took this guy who played in Soundgarden, like two hour fucking monster Soundgarden, super heavy, crazy shows, and made him play three hour marathons, like the sit in kind of campfire things. And those live shows are why I'm still a Pearl Jam fan, because you can go and sit in a 200 seat venue if you're lucky enough to get tickets to see Pearl Jam in that small a venue, or you can go see them in an arena with 20,000 people, or you can go see them at a baseball stadium with 50 or 80,000 people. And they're all going to be singing along and it's communal and uplifting, but it's still heavy ass rock and roll and it's still fun as fuck. And I'm always there for it. Pearl Jam is America's greatest rock and roll band. And again, I will fucking cut you if you disagree. So (laughs) this time out, my album recommendation is Yield, just because I probably recommended 10 Verses in Vitalogy a million times over the course of the 172 episodes we've done for this podcast, plus the 10 or whatever we did for the other one. So there's that. And then the song... I'm probably I'm gonna say porch again just because I always say porch when I recommend a Pearl Jam song, but go find a version that's from post two thousand live when Matt's playing so it's a nice ten minute jammy version of it because that's the good <laughs> shit right there. Yeah, so that's number one. I could have predicted almost everything that all of us said tonight. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, you know I mean, this was the the least, <laughs> yeah, the most predictable or fucking episode of Dance Robot Dance ever. Yeah, the only thing that like really got me was the order. I kind of had an idea of what all, each of you were going to say. I just, I, you flipped, Paul flipped me out today because I thought Joanne Newsom was going to be number one and he mm. pulled Bjork and I was like, oh shit, you fucked my whole thing up. But either way, <laughs> awesome. So that's our, those are our favorite bands of all time. So go listen to some music, guys. It is music time. We gave you music. Yeah. We did a music episode because people were asking for it, is basically what happened. I had a bunch of people being like, you should do another music episode that isn't like reviewing one album or whatever. Just do like a listicle episode. I was like, fine, let's do it. Best albums of all time. How much do the boys hate me now? <laughs> yeah, like I said, it didn't end up having an excruciate as much as I did. I just kind of went with my gut. Awesome. Let's put our lists and recommendations up on the Facebook page for this yeah. episode. Yeah, we'll have to, I'll, do a, I'll do a video up. grab yeah. when uh, the episode goes out. It'll probably be Monday, yeah. just because this week I got another con tomorrow, so I'm not going to be editing. <laughs> anyway, it's uh, Geek Cred time, our Stingless segment. It so let's, uh, let's go do Geek Cred, and then we can get out of here. This is that actually like it's a sub two hour music episode? Yeah, <laughs> only I'm because actually, there was no fucking news this week. There's no news. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Every time, right? So geek cred, Paul. So yeah. Anyway, there's been a lot of controversy over the new Pokemon games that are coming out, and it's set, and I'm not going to get into that. But I just want to recommend the like the Pokemon series as a whole because it's like I've been going back and playing some of the older ones on emulator and after we did my top five video games mm-hmm. thing we did i started a new playthrough of heart gold soul silver because why not and they just are really they are really solid fun games so whether or not sword and shield ends up being good which like oof, oof guys i'm not sure but uh <laughs> if uh have the reviews hit yet they, i haven't seen any reviews been yet pulling review copies and are not lifting the embargo until the day before which is never a, ba- a good sign that's a yeah, terrible that's fucking not, sign it's a, yeah it's a yeah. terrible fucking sign in the video game industry especially yeah it's for bad, it's so like not showing true. screenings for a film and then it ends up getting like 20 yeah, yeah. on rotten tomatoes so i'm like i this is gonna that might break my heart a little bit because i really wanted the first uh pokemon on switch on a major console to be the yeah. best one ever and it's looking like they cut a lot of corners i don't know really just i'm hoping for the best i'm not making a judgment how do you fuck up the first like home console 
main series Pokemon that fucking baffles me. Like we're still not sure because like it like when oh. you compare it to like the first Switch Mario and the first Switch yeah. Zelda and the first Switch Smash Brothers, yeah. like we are like everyone had their expectations fucking really high. I mean, Nintendo crushed it three fucking times out of three. Even Mario Kart, like yeah, yeah. they re-released Mario Kart Eight and it's still fucking awesome it's- on the Switch. And like I know Smash is kind of a re-release, like it's like the the Street Fighter Two Turbo of yeah. Smash Brothers games this time out, but like it's still like the best Smash Brothers game ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they the, Mario the, Odyssey was the best 3D platform. Well, I mean, it's not as good as Galaxy or Galaxy Two, but like it's as good as Galaxy and Galaxy Two probably. Yeah. And Breath of the Wild, I mean, that's my favorite game ever. So. Yeah. <laughs> but like, how do you fuck up the Pokemon franchise on your first shot out? That's dumb. Yeah. The the philosophy around all of these other games seem to be like let's give the fans more. But the Pokemon marketing machine is a very different beast altogether because they expect like new card games to re to release in the theme of the video game every year and like it's got this big cycle got the in. annual yeah. tournaments and stuff like that yeah, there's so yeah. much stuff on schedule that i think that they like really half-assed this release mm-hmm. and i'm oh, like but we don't know yet but like not like pulling review yeah copies like no review really, copies is not good like yeah, they, not they good. i think they still gave it to like the major guys like ign and kotaku and stuff like that but like a lot of the smaller guys didn't <sighs> get there <laughs> yeah right i know tell me about it but so yeah but I still love the franchise and like go do the fourth and fifth generations, especially are wonderfully made games and they're both like pixel art and beautiful and like really fun to play. So heart gold, soul, silver, platinum and black and white. Check them out. They're really fun games. Cool. Uh, Tim, my geek cred this week is going to go to Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, if you are a horror fan or like theme park fan and you've never done it and you like haunted houses and stuff like that, I strongly recommend that you make plans for next year to go to whatever one's closest to you, whether it's uh, in Hollywood or Orlando. But it's just like it is the premier like Halloween event in North America. Uh, like I said, that Ghostbusters house was fucking amazing. They always come up with really interesting original products properties um the scare zones are always really cool there was one based on zombie land to double tap there was one that was like sort of like a scary like neon 80s kind of arcade and shit where like there's just bright flashing lights and smoke and everywhere and yeah what were the other houses we didn't end up getting to do the stranger things house because the fucking line was just insanely long and i wasn't crazy about last couple seasons of stranger things anyways so but uh but um (laughs) fuck the house of a thousand corpses had a house that was outstanding fuck i can't even remember anymore but yeah it was a lot of fun always a lot of fun and top-notch scares so halloween horror nights Cool. I have two things to recommend. Well, one's a re- one's a beg and the other's a recommend. So like, we'll we'll get there in a second. So recommend first. Uh, New Desert Sessions uh, oh. eleven and twelve came out this week. So Josh Hami is a little weird little side project that he does, and he just gets a collective of people into one of his desert yeah. desert jam pads, and they just how long has it been since we've had one of those? It's, it's been a long time since nine and ten came out. Like that was in like two thousand yeah. something. Like it was pre ten. So like it's been a long time since the Desert Session album comes out. It's just as loose and rough and groovy and weird as you would expect Josh Homme's loose, groovy desert session thing to be. It's exactly with that. Hopefully, it's just a nice stopgap between either a new Queens album or fingers fucking crossed a crooked vultures or reunion. Cause I, they keep talking about it. So like, just fucking go goddamn, we'll do it and give me another crooked vultures record. It's an awesome Queens album. Other thing 
Uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, as many of you are aware. And if you're paying attention, I'll be posting some art that I'm selling at cons. So like the con- the stuff that I'm selling at cons, I'm going to put on Facebook and sell privately. So if you want a piece, you like a piece, this is the last time any of these pieces will be printed as they are. Um, I've repainted everything. Paul's seen... Paul and the boys have seen all this stuff repainted and it looks fucking mm-hmm. awesome. So mm-hmm. I'm very excited. But I'm going to be posting the, the black and white versions of it this week. And like, if you want a piece, just DM me and I'll get it. We'll sort out the cash and I'll ship it to you kind of thing. They're all like non-licensed prints right now. Like we're working on the licensing, so I can't publicly sell them. But if you like what you see when I post, shoot me a DM. We'll work out a thing and I'll send it to you. If you're Niagara GTA resident and I can get to you, I have a debit card tappy thing that I use at thing. So I can just come over, give you the print and you can tap the money to me. It's sweet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you like stuff, nice. come talk to me. It'd be cool. Good vertical integration, yes. Mark. Good vertical <laughs> integration. Love it. Oh, I mean, I was spending, I spent the whole day today, like talking about, like we were, we were talking about everything and I've been, I got like five new listeners nice. today just by talking about. Well, hello, new listeners. Like, people were asking me about like what I do. Yeah, so hopefully some new listeners like joined because I was at con saying like, yeah, I also do a podcast called Dance Robot Dance. Go listen to it. I I built a little stand up thing to put on my table too. Like, go listen to me on Dance Robot Dance, like with all the little logos nice. for Spotify and shit. So, yeah, just see if we can get anybody. Yeah, you know, that. I think we. I still need business cards so I can like go around and be like, oh, this is my podcast. Here's where you can go listen to it. And shit. Yeah, I could. I have. I have the art available to do that kind of stuff. And uh, once everybody's home, it'll probably yeah. be easier for us to do that kind of shit. Like I'll be yeah. able to concentrate on that a little bit more, and on this a little bit more. But either way, yeah. If you like the stuff you see when I post my art, like most of you guys are friends with me anyway, like actual friends on Facebook. But follow me on Instagram, MT underscore Bullet. I'll be posting it there too for people who are following, and we'll sort it all out, and you can get it all rolled up and shipped to you because it's it's cool stuff. Paul is probably wants to make sure I put a couple aside for him. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So definitely, I think he likes that Metroid piece really in black do. and white. But anyway, yeah. Either way, so assuming this is a long ass episode that I now have to edit, you know, <laughs> and assuming that we've done this episode and the boys are still talking to me, which I mean, I was writing this thinking they were going to hate me for having make them make this list, but I guess not so much. So all my writing is for not. <laughs> anyway, this has been Dance Robot Dance episode 172. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe via the podcatching app of your choice, via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or even sometimes Spotify when it works, because <laughs> it just kind of doesn't when it doesn't want to. If you want to talk to us about anything we talked about tonight, whether it be random Batman casting or whatever the hell we talked about in the news, because I can't remember, it's been two hours. Or if you want to tell me why Pearl Jam actually sucks and get fucking cut for your trouble, you can do that on Facebook while it exists at facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast on Twitter at DRD underscore podcast. Or if you hate social media and none of us would blame you, you can simply email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com and seriously write us and tell us what you think. Maybe there's an angle we miss and we'll love to have letters come in and like give us new fucking ideas and avenues to insane OCD conversation Indeed. for us to deep dive and, you know, do what we do with. Regardless, I've been here with my brother, Paul, from Korea. So say goodnight. Good night, everybody. There it is. And my podcast brother, Tim, in Atlanta. Say goodnight. Bye, guys. And I'm Mark. So come see me next week. Oh, it's not next week. I'll announce it next week. I've got cons coming up, but I can't remember where the fuck they are now. They're in a couple <laughs> weeks. It's fine. So cool. Uh, we'll be back next week with more of our insanity for your ear holes. Indeed. That's my new, I, I'm trying to make a new tagline. Let's see what I did there. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how it works. All right. We're out of here. Take it easy, guys. Bye. Bye.